Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Hey, it's the 20th of July, 2022. Look at the smirk on this zero to my left. Unbelievable. Look at him. Can't believe it. Hi, everyone. It's Morning Combat, episode whatever the fuck it is. My name is Luke Thomas. I'm one half of your hosting duo. I join you from the capital of Estados Unidos right here in Washington, D.C. Now, B.C., let me see if I can get this right. I'm going to I'm gonna try and, and dig into my bag of wrestling knowledge, which is not a deep bag, but it has a couple of gems inside, like the bag of porn. Is the Rip'em shirt from the Hulk Hogan movie No Holds Barred? Hell yeah, Luke. And I'm... Yes! I'm bo- I'm blown yes. away because I've worn this shirt like 18 times on MK. I'm blown away you pulled that, Luke. That's amazing. That's, That's amazing. like, I, I remember, because that movie came out, I feel like I was definitely an 80s kid when that came out. Like, it wasn't a 90s thing. That was an 80s uh, thing. Oh, yeah. Right? I, that, yeah, that was like appointment viewing in the theater, build your birthday party around it. That movie was so big when it came out. So, I mean, it was, it's one of the shittier movies of all time. It's got some great moments. But yeah, Luke, that was a thing, bro. Just like Ninja Turtles Part 1. That was a thing. I saw, so I saw Ninja Turtles Part 1 just down the street when I was a kid over in Union Station. When Union Station, which is the train station here, used to have a movie theater. And I saw it there sold out first night with my dad and my Damn. brother. How about yeah. that? That's what I'm talking about, Rob Thomas. You know what I'm saying? Uh, how you doing, BC? King of Connecticut? What's, what's going on, bro? I'm washed and worn down, Luke. Uh, I had to have <laughs> my... Uh, my well pump replaced at my house yesterday. So to save a couple hundred bucks, I was out there in 90 degree weather digging a ditch in the front yard to find the well. So it's, you know, it's been a vet, my, my neck, my back, my, well, that, the crack too, Luke, a lot of, a lot of my body is worn down right now. So, uh, you know, hanging in there, but hey, look, well, that's, if, if, that's a joy. If it's any consolation, I had to get up at five fifteen this morning to have a coughing fit, uh, and, and hawk up a bunch of stuff and, Spit it all out in the sink for like 45 well, minutes. On, it was terrible. That's certainly on brand for MK. If you don't do that during a broadcast, are you a real co-host of this show? I mean, if you ain't dying, Luke, are you really living? That's the question when it comes to hosting <laughs> this show. But I'm glad you've recovered from our argument pre-show, Luke, about work ethic. All right? Because if yes. you're not on my level at the end of the day, I'm cutting your ass, Luke. Yes, I understand that. You have a great deal of enthusiasm for uh, for work. Sometimes too much enthusiasm. Uh, the quality suffers, but... Hey, That's if, here if I don't fight for room service diaries, who will on this show, okay? No, no, no. I like it that you cracked the whip on that. I don't mind that at all. Um, you know, but sometimes the horse has to get 
the rain's pulled back a little bit, even if it's a thoroughbred. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, we got a show today. It's actually pretty interesting. So we're going to talk about this Diaz news, which is monumental uh, and so much to get to. There's a bantamweight title fight that got scheduled and kind of rescheduled. We'll talk about that. Plus, hello, Bellator has a very good card on Friday. UFC is back in London on Saturday. We have a lot to get to here today. And oh, by the way, uh, by the way, BC, don't bury the lead. Please. I'm not going to bury the lead. I think this will be if it actually all happens, which you know probably won't. But if it all happens according to schedule, Tom Aspinall should be here about 12:45 Eastern Standard Time. He will be the first live fighter we ever interview on a regular MK. Is that right? I think that's right. I don't know if that's true. Now, we, we've had Steven Espinosa live on MK. I, I feel like we've had a couple other people in last-minute situations, but I know just the thought of this makes our staff break out in hives, Luke, but I'm happy to challenge them today. Long Island Luke and Corey, two of the best. By the way, Gaff on vacation, another one. Two of the be- You talk about Malka Power rankings, right? Those guys very high up. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, MK, it wins awards. It's, it's, it, it, it's something but it doesn't have a lot of live guests. Well, how about today we get you UK blokes, uh, Tom Aspinall. How about for the rest of the world, too, all right? So 1245-ish Eastern, tail end of the broadcast. We'll get that big heavyweight on, Luke. We'll we'll do some magic here. I mean, look, uh, this show's so great, Luke. I think moving forward, they should pay us in awards only. What do you think about that? All no, right? I like cash better. Cash okay. is nice. Okay. Uh, I was going to say, you ever seen that scene in Apollo 13 when they have the beginnings of the malfunctions and there's like an oxygen issue? And then no. the engineer comes up and explains what the problem is for like the movie audiences. And he goes, we got to make this object fit into this. And of course, like they don't fit at all. And you're like, how the hell are you going to do that? Malka is the opposite. Yes. <laughs> it's like, how do we get a fighter on the show? Well, guys, well, you know, there's a lot of reasons why we can't. I always felt that same out. way about Shaq's ex-wife, Shawnee. It's like, how does that how does that fit, Luke, at the end of the day? I mean, I guess, you know, it worked. It worked, right? They, had a good they found a way. They, they, found, they found a way, right? Yeah. Uh, right. There you go. You can see the merch there right there, morningcombat.store. I'm not wearing any. BC's not wearing any, but we do have a lot of good stuff. My closet is full of MK merch. Certainly would appreciate if you guys stop by, see if there's anything for you there. Go and check it out. Yeah, also, how, about some, how about our newest item, our pregame preview T-shirt featuring Real Talk, of course, like men do. And some people have taken offense to that. Look, you know, women can talk real too, okay? But on this show, pregame preview, when we invite Chuck into the studio like we did on Monday, Luke, okay, we are doing real talk, okay? Luke, that was one of our better pieces of business here. I think I laughed, I cried. There was a lot of emotions in that show. It was great. It was good, actually. I really enjoyed it. That will be out soon, so be on the lookout for that. And yes, of course, uh, morningcombat.store if that kind of shirt appeals to you. Also, how about Showtime? You can go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. This uh, weekend's Bellator you can watch. Now, BC, when are you doing the next Showbox event? Um, uh, it might not be until uh, September. September. Uh, they're, they're, they're wrangling some dates together now and throwing things, things around. But for 30 days of free, uh, you know, you may just hang on at the end and not pound sand and keep subscribing. Then you get some BC, you'll get some Bellator, as Luke mentioned, this Friday. You get some great docs. All the, I mean, like a lot of good shit on there, okay? You want to stream? Come stream with us, all right? And also, Point Gods, I think, is coming out like the 29th. Oh, dude. I mean, you want to talk about New York City basketball point guards, Luke, Mark Jackson, Rod Strickland, uh, you know what I'm saying, Pearl Washington. You want to talk about the legends? Yeah, come on. Tons of good stuff. So there you can get it all there. And, of course, BC, we could not forget, uh, obviously, morningcombat at gmail.com for today's fan subs for Friday's Dead Wrong, but also, BC, how about the good folks at AG1? I'm back on my AG1 game. I am yeah. feeling better. Like the cough is the leftover from the vid. Uh, buddy, they're just the best. I use them 
about every day. For what reason? Gut health, for hydration, for all the things you need when you put those vitamins and minerals in your body. Right. And, you know, how about the uh, the not so important things? The taste, right? Well, the taste is it, it doesn't taste gross or medicinal or super healthy. It's got like a mild tropical uh, mix there that like it's really the perfect day to start the perfect way to start your day each morning feeling clean. And it's like one delicious scoop. That's all it takes. And you're suddenly absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens. That's how you start your day the right way. Not at Cumberland Farms. Not with a 12-ounce Mountain Dew. With AG1. Bitch. There's a train going by and it's shaking everything in my room. Jesus. I think that, I think that was my intensity coming through your ear hole, Luke. Could have been a little bit of that as well. Uh, okay, so what does it have? It's got special blend for, as I mentioned, gut health, nervous system, immune support, energy, recovery, focus, and how about aging my face is getting swallowed by the gray but ag1 is keeping me healthy it really is you know you could take it on the road with you i do often with the travel packs and you want to talk about your lifestyle whether it's home or away whether you're keto or paleo vegan dairy-free gluten-free uh this thing contains less than one gram of sugar so no gmos no nasty chemicals no artificial anything and yet it still tastes good and luke you know a lot of people go okay what about the price do you want to, you know, how about less than three bucks a day to invest in your health, okay? Put the watermelon vape away. Put the cold brew habit in the closet, okay, with your MK merch. <coughs> Why don't you invest in yourself for once, you old piece of shit? Taking Athletic Greens is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. Yeah, and, you know, to make things even easier, Luke, and, and you know, I know what you're thinking. Okay, that's great that you two like it. Well, how about, you know, Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais? Yeah, they like it too, okay? And they've told the world, as have 7,000 people given five-star reviews about Athletic Greens, okay? So take back your life. Take back your immune system. And to make this crap even easier, I want you to get the gold that is Athletic Greens right now by going to athleticgreens.com slash morningcombat. In addition to your order, if you go right now, how about those five free travel packs that we talked about? Take that on the road. And how about the free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D? All right? Get down on the D. Let's go. Okay, you got to visit athleticgreens.com slash morning combat. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash morning combat to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. BC, what does verbatim mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Luke, you know, we can we can deliver it, you know, lamely and people can fast forward or we can give it the respect it deserves. AG1 has changed my life, all right? I want the world to know it. Uh before we begin, one final note here. Happy Colombian Independence Day. Today is that day they declared independence in uh, 1810 and uh here we are. So to all of the Colombians out there who uh pretend they don't speak English when I talk yes. to them, Yes. Uh, happy Independence Day. Including Edison Miranda. Um, Breedis um, Prescott. Yes, yes. Uncle, uh, Uncle, uh, what's his name? Uncle. Uh, Pepe. Uncle Pepe. Uh, I'm sure he's a, he's brought his practice to South Florida, if you know what I mean, Luke. Okay, he's I'm sure in, he's, he's in Colombia right now. Yeah, well, he's going to be cleaning up down there, okay? Thank you. Yeah, it's going to be a good time for him. All right, let's get the show started if we can, BC. Let's kick things off, man. There's a lot to say about this. It's it's a huge story. Uh, Brett Okamoto from ESPN reporting yesterday that the final fight 
on Nate Diaz's contract is going to be against Hamzat Chemaev. This will be a UFC 279. It'll be a non-title main event, which is fairly rare for a pay-per-view, although you could imagine why this one fits the bill. This I don't think it's a pay-per-view, Luke. I don't have proof that's a pay-per-view. Do you? It's UFC 279. If it's numbered like that, it, it's All right, then that's a pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. T-Mobile? Yeah, that's a yeah. freaking pay-per-view, yeah. so, Luke. So, Damn. Yeah. Can I finish this for fuck's sake? September I mean, 10th at the T-Mobile Arena, main event, five rounds. Now, if it's been verbally agreed, nothing's been signed, but uh, I got some additional details I'll share in just a minute. BC, there is a lot to unpack here. When you Woo! think about what you what, what first occurred to you when you heard this news? That that Nick that Nate Diaz, excuse me, Diaz that Army. That, that the Nick lower Diaz. third spelled Shemayev wrong. Yeah, well, that's part of it. Me interrupting you in a key moment, another part of it. But here's the deal: uh, Nate Diaz is that dude, and and we'd already, you know, we already knew that this fight had been talked about when Nate was really pushing to get out of his deal. He'd accepted it, and then he felt like Chimaev was going in the other direction. But with all the bad PR and headlines going around about Nate's handling. UFC still unwilling to uh, to let him exit through the meat grinder on his way out, Luke. And, and what balls this man has uh, to take this fight. You can say he has no other choice. He sat out for a year and a half. He wants to make big-time money, and whether it's Jake Paul or not on the outside. And we all believe he should and should have already been there. But this is as hard and I mean, this is, I mean, look, you know, we saw PVZ against Amanda Hebas. That was a, that was a harsh goodbye. This is another category of that. The opening odds are minus eleven hundred. Can we start right there, Luke? Is that realistic? Is that like that's some Shevchenko, Nico Montano type numbers? I mean, this is as like fuck off on your way off as the UFC can possibly get. It's also, by the way, a fight that's going to rightfully so draw huge eyeballs. This is going to be an event, but it's as weird an event given the circumstances as I've ever imagined. So I'm a little bit torn on this one, which is to say I agree with just about everything you said, but I had um, a couple of conversations yesterday with some folks close to Nate Diaz, like very close, and the one kind of unifying theme, this is not news, but it like they were driving it home with me, which was after the Chemayev-Burns fight, Nate has been asking apparently for this Chemayev fight repeatedly since then. In fact... They didn't even like the idea that it, this was characterized as what Nate was offered. What they wanted the world to know, I suppose, was that Nate had actually re like repeatedly, repeatedly requested it. Because if you go on like a social media and you look at the way in which this is being viewed, everyone is like, oh my God, poor Nate. UFC is doing him dirty on the way out. And I can understand that impression because like this fight doesn't, it doesn't make sense, right? If, if. Dana White is saying things like Nate is one in four in his last five and, you know, who has he beaten and, you know, this, that and the other. And then you're giving him like the number two or whatever Chemayev is ranked, a like two or three, number two ranked guy in the world. Well, which is it? Is Nate deserving of the number two guy in the world or is he a guy who's one in four in his last five on the way out the door? You kind of decide. And they. Th this is why this fight is like nonsensical. Although, also to the point you raised about the odds. For a male fight, because we've seen crazy female odds, for a male fight, I don't know if I've ever seen odds this lopsided in UFC ever. I can't say that declaratively. Like, I can't, I don't know if that's 100% true, but I don't know if I've ever seen a disparity like this on the male side of the game. It's it's fairly unheard of. Well, certainly not with, with names. I don't think you've ever seen something with names. Like names a headlining bout. Like a headlining yeah. bout, yeah. I mean, so, but BC, damn. let me just pitch it back to you because this is the thing I've been going over. 
I don't understand. I'm, I'm going to assume that what I was told about Nate is true. And again, the people who told me that like, I have, I have, I have, you know, they know. Okay, they know. Why on earth would Nate ask for this? And I'm trying to think of what the reason could be. And some folks said, well, it's a no lose because if if you win, of course you, I mean you 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 take the thunder from the UFC's basically enforcer at this point. Um, and that would be amazing on your way out the door. And then if you lose, well, no harm, no foul. You weren't expected to win. But BC, you and I know the truth, dude. You could get your ass. Yeah, there's harm. You said here. no harm, no foul, dude. So what, you what, get. Why, why would Nate be so adamant about this fight? I'll get to that in a second. But there is harm, foul. You get one-sidedly demolished. Your value does go down. That's the truth, right? But here's why. So I started off by saying, look, just by saying yes to this in any form. As Cheech and Chong once famously said, what balls he has. I mean, this is like, we got to shout out Nate Diaz. Like, I know I get down on him when he does the Nate Diaz talk of, uh, you know, I never lost and, you know, it, it, submissions don't count. You know, all, all that stuff, that, whatever the, the stuff that he said. Submissions don't count is more of a McGregor line, but you get what I'm saying. The the whole, like, you know, uh, I'm undefeated, that whole mindset of, of when, no, you've taken clear losses before. But this is what this motherfucker's all about. Like, F you. Oh, this is your monster? I'm okay, and this is my only way to get out of this company and go be free, then I'm going to do it. But the thing that you specifically asked, what gives him this confidence? Why would he run in this direction? I think it's because of the Gilbert Burns fight with Chemayev, which showed, of course, how much of an absolute savage Chemayev is when you go 50-50 you know, and brawl in the center of cage with him. But if you're Nate Diaz, who just fought somebody, albeit a year plus ago, who was way more technically ahead of him, mixed with the youth, mixed with everything. <clears throat> and that's the guy who's going to be fighting Usman coming up, Edwards, for the uh, welterweight title. And Nate, in a five-round fight, you know, took the early damage, then hung around and did Nate Diaz things and almost pulled an upset. He just got to see an example of how you get close to hitting that spot in the middle of the Death Star, which is Chemayev, to get it to blow up. You know, maybe in hindsight, Chemayev was too willing to be in an action fight in there, or maybe Gilbert Burns pulled it out of him just by standing in and not going anywhere. But I think if you're Nate Diaz and you're that old school OG, and you know the one skill I got left is I can get in these fights, and I got the stamina to be in these crazy fights late, and I can outlast the dude next to me, I think he saw proof in that Gilbert Burns fight that Chemayev is human, and that's all Nate Diaz needs you know, you know that that's part of the percentage. Part of it is this is the only way I get to go. This is the only door they're opening for me. So I'm such a badass that I'm going to kick it open and I don't care what happens. But I think part of it, Luke, is he sees the way he's going to survive this and either win or, you know, lose with his head held high if he has to. Uh, and, dude, that's ballsy. That That is this, this is a real man right here, Luke. Well, I, I, mean, I don't. There, there should be no denying who Nate Diaz is in terms of character, and I made this point on Twitter yesterday, but I'll briefly reiterate it. You know, folks won't remember this name, and this guy got into trouble with the law later. But for what he represented as a fighter at the time, and Nate Diaz's seventh pro fight, he fought Ermes Franca, which was like a absurdly difficult assignment for that level of his development, and he still did it anyway. He took on Conor McGregor on what was it, ten days' notice. He fought. Rafael Dos Anjos, badly injured. One more reminder, the Diaz boys have never withdrawn from a fight due to injury. I want you to think about that because Nate Diaz is coming up on, I think, 15 years inside the Ultimate Fighting Championship, yes, with some significant time off. But 15 years, he has never withdrawn from a bout due to injury. The guy is only accustomed 
to tough assignments and across weight classes that he probably shouldn't have been in, like 170, which, by the way, there's another part to this. It's like Shemaev is a beast at 185. At 170, he's a fucking animal. Like, this is just a really tough assignment. But to your point, the guy's got character for days. I think the thing that I really go back to on this one is, man, I all that stuff when Nate's like, oh, you, I've never lost and, you know, this kind of thing, and I beat Khabib because it was a street fight. I always took that as Nate kind of being wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I know that's not true, but it's a great way to self-promote. Now I'm kind of wondering, like, I get your point that Hamzat fought undisciplined against Burns. But, dude, I think Burns probably hits a lot harder than Nate Diaz at 170. Oh, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, for all the flaws that he showed in that fight and for all the undisciplined ways in which he fought, he fought a guy, yes, Gilbert Burns fought at 155 and 170, but I would call him a much more natural 170-er I, it's I dude I gotta tell you like again it's not just loss he's risking here this fight he it's a five rounds he could take a a, a career altering beating here I don't think that's out yes. of the realm of possibility do you no and that that's the scary part of it but in that you know matches what you said earlier about like this is on brand this is what the hell this guy does he's always done that so it's not that different to him but. I don't ever remember something this weird. Again, you know, the situation with the contract, the, the the time between, the fact that we had such long public soap operas about who was at fault and why this happened, and yet they just settle on, all right, F it. We'll do the Chamaya fight. <laughs> okay, you know what I'm saying? So, Luke, I got to bring up the other part of the Diaz brother, you know, experience. And granted, this other part of it tends to circle around Nick in totality in recent years more than Nate, which is the bizarre sort of antics inside the cage, although that's not completely out of bounds for Nate to do something wacky. But, you know, a lot of people are going, okay, this is so WWE right now to begin with. Dana's basically Vince McMahon. Nate is Bret Hart. Montreal Screwjob. I've gotten a lot of DMs from fans going, BC, your old school wrestling heart must be loving this. So in that sort of pro wrestling veil of looking at it, Luke, a lot of people are going, okay, the ultimate Nate Diaz move here or Diaz brother move would be to walk in, flip off Dana White cage side, lay down and get tapped out right there and be like, fuck off UFC. Now, Luke, I don't think he'll do that. that and that's also like, you know, they could, couldn't they take him to court for that? I mean, they could hold, withhold this purse. There's a lot of other sides to that, Luke, that also just says F you to the game. But there's a softer version of that. Do you remember when Nick Diaz fought Anderson Silva and just kind of... Did Nick Diaz stuff and laid down and kind of engaged, but mostly didn't. Is there a scenario in which this could turn into that type of fight? If it's not Nate Diaz flipping the bird and, and taking a fall and doing a, you know, breaking kayfabe. Is there a scenario where he goes in there and then just goes, ah, F you guys, I'll coast to a decision loss. Or is this not the opponent to even attempt that with? I don't. I, I've seen some folks be like, oh, is he going to go do the Bob Sap?" where the bell rings and he immediately taps the ground. I don't foresee that. I really don't take that seriously. I suppose anything could happen, but I wouldn't I wouldn't expect that. Or who was the boxer? I forget who it was, where they, they brought him out to the ring, they announced him, and then as soon as the bell rings, he just walked out right in the yeah, middle. Yeah, it was the guy ring. fighting F.A. Ajagba. Yes. You know, so I don't foresee that. I foresee this basically either Nate surprises, I think, a lot of people, myself and probably you included, and submits him or knocks him out or something, which is... Not out of the realm of possibility, but un- unlikely, I think, is a very charitable way to put it. Uh, or he just takes a fucking beating, man. I'm really kind of worried about it, dude. Nate Diaz is 37 years old, man. How many big fights do you think he honestly has left? Like, Let's talk about that for a second. How many big fights does he really have left? This one, 
probably after this one, if he can get it, if the stars align or whatever, it seems like the the Jake Paul fight is there. Potentially two of those. Now that Connor, he's at 37 now, he might be like 38, 39 by that point. There's not a lot of time left for big fights. True or I false? mean, he's going to get Connor again, whether it's at the Lava Shack or, or BKFC. Like, they'll fight a third time, but I hear your point. Um, this is a diff. This this brings the potential. Given okay, so if, if the if the pro wrestling fu is out the window, and I I agree with you, I don't think he's going to be that recklessly unprofessional. Although a lot of people would say, oh, justified and all that because of how he was treated. You can argue that as well. But it's more likely, Luke, given his character, that he's going to go in there and just fight, like you said. Um, I mean, uh, look, the odds should be wide. This is, a, again, a weird fight. The reality is Nate should be in the senior division fighting other old faded names, and they should celebrate him on the way out, but they don't do that. I get that, but that's what it should be. Is there a scenario, Luke, where he can lose but not F around but also not get physically dominated? Because, I did, look, I'm going to be honest. I didn't think that last round rally against Edwards was was like possible in that scenario. I thought he was going to lose a one-sided fight in which he may be on the verge of getting stopped due to cuts and damage. And although he took, you know, damage in that fight, he he hung around and then he was fresh as shit in the final round. It, like, if he pours out what's left to avoid getting dominated, and let me, like, put that in the right frame of mind. Whether you think Izzy may have taken his foot off the gas against Anderson Silva in that last-minute sort of special fight they created... Or you believe, like I do, that Silva just poured out whatever was left to avoid getting handled and to keep himself kind of in that fight. Is there enough legend left in left in Nate to pour that out and use every ounce of what he has to avoid getting beat up, Luke? Or is it just is it it's just different against a guy like this? I know I'm kind of asking the same question twice, yeah. but but I, you know, well, I don't so want to underestimate. Is there a scenario where Nate loses, but? but handles himself well enough where he doesn't get like exceptionally beat up or something like that. Yeah, it's possible. But, dude, let's just talk about the realistic one here. The realistic one. You're talking about a guy. Nate Diaz was a 155er who's now at 170. Chemayev is a guy who's probably better at 170 but can fight quite ably at 185. And he has you know modern control, significantly better wrestling, better athleticism, a certain kind of physical intensity and drive. He probably has pretty good submission defense as well. You know, the likeliest outcome here is that he puts a fucking beating on Nate Diaz and a bad one at that. That's the likeliest outcome. I, what will happen, your guess is as good as mine. But I am I, I'm on, like I'm saying this, I want to be very clear about this. I'm actually a little bit worried about it. I'm a little bit worried about how ugly this could potentially get. Now if Nate goes in there and subs him, dude, that would be one of the most legendary fucking performances in UFC history, to be quite honest with you. That's really what it would be. It would be historic yeah. for him to stick it to them in that way. But the likelihood of that is not high. The likelihood of that is very, very low. And that's what gives me some concern. All Let right, me ask you, you this. Oh, go ahead. Okay, yeah, you asked me a question. Let's do it. All right. Well, here's the thing. 15 years later, it's ending like this, you know? And to me, if it ends like this 15 years later, it probably should have ended a lot sooner where both parties basically can't stand the other one, and one, Nate's got whatever his designs are, and UFC's got whatever their designs are, and now they're just having this ugly departure, which God only knows what path it will take, but probably not a pretty one, whichever path it is. I have to say, like, 
this should be like a wake-up call for a lot of the fighters. Listen, there are guys who have a relationship with UFC, and then when they're done, they continue to have one. Your Liddell's, your Forrest Griffin's in particular, your Matt Hughes's, those things are real and they matter. But like throughout UFC history, Nate Diaz is not new in the sense that there are the Frank Shamrocks and the Tim Sylvia's, and you could point to all of the ones. Look at Anderson Silva, one of the maybe the best fighter ever. Look at the departure he had. Not, they were a little bit kinder to him, obviously, on the way out the door, but they didn't really roll out the red carpet for him. There wasn't that kind of a thing. This kind of acrimony, you know, I, I wonder what lesson you take from this, BC. I wonder after 15 years of the Nate Diaz experience, why it's ending with a bang potentially, but so poorly in terms of the relationship yeah. between the fighter and the promoter. What, what, what do you infer from that? Well, it's like even, you know, I always talk about the have and have nots in the fighter pay discussion and the 1%, once they reach that 1%, they have no motivation left to to ruin it for themselves and just they just want to live in that 1% and take the money they can get behind the scenes and all that. So we always look at it as, okay, if you can sell, that covers up sins. Why is, why, why were we saying Yair should jump Josh Emmett in the title? Because you can sell. It's a different type of marketing claim. This is a situation where somebody can sell, and yet, again, they still missed three consecutive years after their commercial prime, after beating Connor and fighting Connor in an amazing two-fight series, he just went away. So I think what this does show you is even if you can sell and there's times where the company can work with you on, on almost an even level in terms of, uh, of helping you and helping them, you're still not, you know, in the family. But that doesn't really prove that point. You can still be kicked out of the family. You're still, you know, it's still not a blood pact. But like... The Diaz's have never really been UFC family. So in this regard, Luke, you can't learn like, okay, you can learn just in the idea of things that you should already be learning by reading the headlines, which is, you know, Dana White giving that big ass bag to the Nelk boys and basically saying F you fighters. And then, you know, the next day, the whole insight on that whole court filing and uh, or not court filing, but, you know, the the boosters and the, the money being raised to sort of legally with the uh to, to fight against the potential of unionization and fighter rights so you should already learned all this if you were a fighter but at the same time luke the nate's situation is just so unique to begin with i mean like his communication with the company at certain times in the last five years just just completely fell apart like completely like nobody talking to each other so it, it's hard because he never because it's been you know in the diaz's DNA to be lone wolves and, and sort of these guys that just do things their own way and credit to both brothers. They, they have, um, but I can't, I, dude, I just, there's no comparison unless you go to Bret Hart versus freaking Shawn Michaels in the survivor series that time or whatever in Montreal, like in, in there's no comparison in modern combat sports where I can remember something like this being like this, the fear we have mixed with how Nate's been, handled so yeah what should other fighters learn like you got to be fighting for yourself man you know what i mean like i'm i'm glad that nate to some degree at least is wanting this and welcoming this because when nick came back and last fought we heard the post-fight interview it sounded sad like he didn't want to be there this is the opposite of that but this is such a fuck you from the ufc that it's just ridiculous luke and it gives a crazy opportunity for Nate, who's already been getting that hero love the past, you know, year and a half in his return coming back against Edwards, and I love seeing that. How do you think Nate should handle this, the build to this fight? Because, Luke, you don't get down on this pro wrestling shit. Nate's not a huge trash talker unless you provoke him, but how do you think he will go out? 
PR-wise? And do you think he should kind of be burning the ship down with him as he's getting off of it? Well, like I said, if the last chapter ends up being, however unlikely I may view it, if it ends up being that he submits or knocks out Chemayev, I mean, <laughs> I, that, that would be, I mean, you want to talk about the legend of Nate Diaz. I don't know what on earth would be like to make the fan base love you. That would be probably top of the list. I can, I cannot think of anything bigger than They'd that. They'd put him, they would put him on the Mount Rushmore of most beloved fans. Fight, fighters by fans of all time that probably yep. includes Chuck Liddell, Randy Couture, you know, yes. like Anderson at the very top. I mean, like it would be, it would be, we we would never have seen an equivalent of that too, Luke. Although Randy Couture had some of those FU moments, but they weren't as blatant. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, honestly, to me, like Nate Diaz will probably, you know, we'll see what happens with this fight. He'll get out of it. I do think he'll eventually fight Jake Paul and make probably good money. Maybe two of those fights we'll have to see. But the lesson I take from all of this is that. Yeah, there is a cost in MMA to, like you were saying, you have to advocate for yourself. I actually, I agree, but this is why a lot of fighters don't, right? They, this is why they don't, because there actually is a cost to it. You know, Francis Ngannou may finally get a chance to work around it, but these contracts since 2017 where they put sunset clauses in was only a function of the response to the lawsuit and some of the bad press they were getting, so that helped them. But short of that, he would be basically stuck. Nate Diaz having to have all the acrimony that he's had with a promoter from for various points in his career to this day where he has to go out fighting this fucking boogeyman on his way out the door, whether he requested it or not. Or, you know, look at Randy Couture, who has been basically iced out of UFC history or Frank Shamrock or Tim Sylvia. And the list goes on and on and on from there. You want to take care of yourself in separation to the, to the, to the brand, you, there's going to be a tax to pay. There is no free lunch. And... The question is, how big is the tax and how much does it affect your future from there on? I guess we'll have to see what the answer to that is. But you can see why fighters cozy up to the brand. You can see why there's Stockholm Syndrome. Because only a few can actually make use of cozying up to the brand. And, and sometimes they can make good use of that. Yeah. But the reality is, it's very safe relative to the riskiness of the right. waters where you go out on your own because even the mighty Nate Diaz, who in his last fight is headlining without a title, is still getting shown the door in one of the ugliest ways I think I've ever seen in all of MMA. And it's, it is it is in some way similar to like what you and I could go through. You know, you can be a company man because you suddenly work for a big company, but you also got to be a, you know, protector of what you're trying to do there. But yeah, the risk, the risk is high. And that's why you don't see guys do it more because – if you're the opposite of that, if you're a DC and you stay with the family, you could have a job for life. You could be an ambassador, a broadcaster, a trainer in the PI. I mean, you could be part of the family forever. So it's certainly not for everybody. There is a way to become that 1% and then ride that gravy train and, and look back and say all the hard work and blood, sweat, and tears was worth it. But it is narrow, that hallway at the end, and, and it is hard to get in there. Uh, Luke, maybe to close on this, but let's compare balls at least in a fair way. When Randy Couture was the heavyweight champion, yet amid his own, you know, battle with the company, and then comes back at that age and fights Brock Lesnar, that was just some kind of balls. Although it wasn't his exit with the company, it was, there's some similarities there. Is this a more ballsier move, what Nate's doing, compared to what Randy did? Yeah, significantly. I mean, Brock had the title. Chemayev has nothing, right? I mean, he's got a lot of... Cachet. Well, Randy He's had got, the title. Randy had the title at the. So moment. what am I saying? But it was for the title. It was it, yeah. there was a belt on the line, right? This was a big bout, and there was the time ESPN was really leaning into it before ESPN ever really leaned into it. 
there was there was big stakes involved, and Brock Lesnar was the biggest name in the sport. Now, Chimaev was one of the biggest ones, but I would actually argue Nate Diaz might be more popular. Um, they're both pretty admirable, and then of course, you know, Randy was fighting a guy much bigger than him. Although, you know, Nate is, I think, fighting a guy probably <clears throat> naturally larger and stronger than him too. But, uh, dude, this is, you know, look at the odds from the original Randy and Brock fight. I bet you these are much wider than those. I mean, I think that kind of tells you Nate has asked for probably, arguably, the most difficult exit imaginable short of a title shot against Kumaru. And even this one might be more difficult depending on style matchups and everything. This is a hard fight to win. It's going to be a rough exit. And even if he gets the dub, he's probably not going to get it very easily. Uh, I have enormous, enormous respect for what he is attempting here. And I'm shocked this is a pay-per-view main event. I'm actually happy because I think there's there's so there's much more room for non-title pay-per-view five-round main events that are just great matchups. You know, remember Rashad versus Rampage as a perfect example of that. And I love to see this, but I'm shocked that they're giving Nate pay-per-view status here. I'm shocked that they're giving this fight, which we have, you know, I mean, it could look really bad in the end. Five-round pay-per-view status so, I mean, it's the ultimate ringing of of what they feel is left of Diaz's brand on the way out to get the most of it, but it also puts in the showcase, okay, if we're going to use this matchup as a company for the reason why we're making it, to to rub off a guy leaving and put it on a guy rising, dude, giving Hamzat Chamayev a non-title pay-per-view main event before he ever fought for the title against Nate Diaz kind of tells you what they believe they can do with him moving forward, Luke. No question about that. No question about that at all. All right, let's move on to the second part of the, the topic, or actually topic number two. These were initially going to be paired. Now they're going to be a little bit separate. So Aljamain Sterling, it looks like, this was originally reported by, I think, Kevin Ioli of Yahoo Sports. They were originally going to put it at UFC 279. Now it's going to be 280, which will be October 22nd in Abu Dhabi. Aljamain Sterling is going to defend his bantamweight title against TJ Dillashaw. The main event, of course, will be Charles Oliveira, taking on Islam Makachev. Now, BC, I saw some consternation about Sterling kind of always being in co-main events, and I understand that. I thought, especially after his fight against Jan, where he proved a lot of people wrong, that he deserved to be you know, taken, just respected a lot more, given a little bit more, um, not just verbally with saying nice things, but treated a little bit differently by the promotion and by the fan base and by the media as well. Here he is still in the co-main event role. However, let me give you a little bit of a nugget. I have it on pretty decent authority that, for example, I saw some folks battering Izzy because that's what folks love to do in the MMA fan base, that UFC 276 didn't sell above 400K. Uh, My understanding is there isn't a pay-per-view this year that has sold more than 400K, which means no headliner has done that. And and Sterling certainly is an incredibly decorated uh, and very, very good champion but hasn't proven to be a sales draw in that way. Certainly not over the 155 guys who would be bigger anyway, so they would get that slot, plus it's for a title. So I kind of understand it. So your reaction to Sterling versus Dillashaw, October 22nd, co-main. My reaction, first of all, is this is one damn fine doubleheader atop this card. I mean, Luke, you know, these are two of the best fights I want to see right now in the entire sport. So to your point about... Maybe them not giving Aljo the 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 boost that that he deserves, and I think a lot of us in the media and critical fans came back around. If for, for however we dogged him of his handling of that DQ, the way he went back and straight up beat Jan in the rematch and is now your champion. Yeah, he deserves a chance to stretch out. 
and be who he could be and find out how big his brand could be. So if there was going to be a matchup where it would make sense to give him that pay-per-view headlining role, fighting the former champion in Dillashaw, I would think would be that. But I don't. But this being one more time a co-main event at the same time, Luke, it doesn't seem to me as a, as like a backhanded slap. I mean, Mahachev is in Abu Dhabi for a reason in terms of trying to capitalize on that fan base and that fight as the main event. It is. A, it just feels a little bit more prestigious to me, even with former champion Dillashaw coming back in there. There's just a there's a feeling for me in that main event that we could, you know, storyline wise, this could be the the dawn of. Habib 2.0, Habib's, you know, protege taking over, or it could just be another amazing stamp on the all-action passport of, of Charles Oliveira. So I, I'm okay that they're loading this up for the fans. I mean, these are two main events, you know, for the price of one here, and I'm so damn fired up for this fight. Sterling versus Dillashaw. I got questions as would ever anybody about TJ's age and injury. It's been a while since he beat Sanhagen in that disputed fight. But this is this is great. This is going to be great theater, Luke. This is great matchmaking. This is a great night at the fights. I, You know, the fan of me, very giddy right now. Talk me down, Luke. Try no, to shit, on, mean, dude, try to shit on my Tai Chi Palace. Please. No, seriously, if I had to ask you, give me a UFC card where you put the two best title fights imaginable together. This would, I'm not saying this is the only answer, but this would be one of the top answers. The very best at 155, in this case, Charles Oliveira, the reborn version against this guy who's been on a, you know, an incredible run in Islam Makachev at 155. Okay, that's one you could do. And then the guys in charge of Bantamweight, the existing champion and the, the former champion, who, by the way, never had the title taken from him other than by administrative policy, not by actually what happened in the cage. Those are the two you're going to pair together. It does, there, there's not many pairings you could do better than that. That is one of the, one of the more optimal ones that could even permutations that could even exist. And in the case of, of a guy like Aljamain Sterling, for folks who might be upset that he is constantly in co-main event roles, I understand it. I get the notion that he's entitled to respect, but I also get the idea that the UFC is not selling pay-per-views this year in the way that folks might have naturally assumed or they were during the pandemic, the, or the bigger stages of the pandemic anyway. And so you put this in the co-main event role against a guy like Dillashaw, who does have some popularity, who does bring some controversy, who I think if if a guy like Sterling can beat him, it raises his profile even more. You put him on a card where there's this 155 just assassins above him. This is a great, great scenario. This is what you want. This is this is the this is the wagyu beef cooked medium yes. rare right here delivered to you. If you're a fight fan and these two fights hold seriously, and I mean this genuinely, I don't even give a flying fuck what comes before it. These two fights alone are worth the price of admission. They're the very best in many cases that MMA even has to offer. The complaints here should, in my judgment, be fairly minimal. Looks like you can even put local government propaganda films on the undercard. I'm okay with that. Give me these two. In fact, Luke, let's be fair here. You know, I'd sort of thrown out the idea last show. Should there be majors? Are there major pay-per-views in the UFC? I think this kind of cements what is now kind of becoming a thing every fall going to Abu Dhabi. Obviously, during the pandemic, there were key parts where that was the only place, and they stayed there for a while. But you want to talk about majors right now. International Fight Week, first weekend of July. The December Vegas card, which used to be New Year's Eve. Now, I like it a little bit better. Second weekend in December. Madison Square Garden in November. But Luke, put this one right there. Put this one right there. That's your fourth major, Abu Dhabi. This main and co-main mixed together. That's as major as it gets. And Luke, when we talk about 
great old guy wins, right? Or old fighter wins. When we talk about, you know, 34-year-old Devison Figueredo coming back to stop the guy who just stopped him and Moreno and winning the title back. When we talk about, you know, Glover Teixeira winning, Michael Bisping winning, TJ Dillashaw comes back and wins the belt against this version of Aljamain Sterling in this fight. I know there are legitimate <laughs> reasons to use the words PEDs, Luke, when you're talking about this guy over history. Yes, there's legitimate reasons. But that'd be that'd be some heroic shit for a guy who gets looked at as a villain, and I think he likes that, by the way, TJ. But, dude, that, that's some hero move right there, Luke, okay? That'd be a win, brother. That'd be a yeah. big-ass win. I think either way it's a huge win for a guy like Sterling. This would be, you know, you've beaten Sandhagen, Jan, and then Dillashaw. Jesus, that is an incredible uh, run through. What it would do for your brand and everything else and credibility. Then on top of it, if you're if you're Dillashaw, to have never lost the title, you had the PED stuff, you had to lose two years of your career. You come back at 35, you have a grueling fight against Sandhagen, and then you go and you beat Sterling in back-to-back fights. We mean insane levels of redemption. And either way, dude, I know that... That Henry Cejudo is out there calling for the Volkanovski fight, which I have less than zero interest in. But I do have a shit ton of interest in the winner of this fight taking on Triple C. I think Cejudo versus Dillashaw at 135 or uh, Cejudo versus uh, Sterling, obviously, at 135. Those are the fights I care a lot about, and I think he's competitive in both. Do you agree? I 100% agree with that. I love that matchmaking. I think we've all agree on this. Cringy shit. Yeah, he wants to do big things, Cejudo, like fight Connor or fight, you know, uh, Volkanovski, as you mentioned. But him against any of these elite bantamweights, Luke, right now, or even the old guy bantamweights, like, I want to see it. I want to see Henry Cejudo come back and fight three times in a year. I mean, he's great for this division. He's a great fighter who has done some all-time stuff, Luke. It is hard to exactly at this point because the, the batch has been small to try to frame history around it, you know, but yet he's also a two-division champion, whether you like it or not. And, um, I, dude, I could sit here and, and just read off matchups in multiple weights I want to see this guy in. But you, if the UFC is smart, which they seem to be, they're going to make him come back and earn it the hard way at Bantamweight if he does want to, Luke. So, yeah, him against uh, him against Jan, I mean, him against Dillashaw would be insane, Theodore. Luke, come on. Poor, Luke, I, you know what I don't like? When, like, when, like, like, you know, housewives and soccer moms, you know, when they're, like, driving or they're at the supermarket or whatever and, like, or a party outside in the summer, and then, like, Pour Some Sugar on Me comes on by Def Leppard, right? And they're just like, oh, this was my song back when I was loose and free, Luke. And then they're just like, you know, and they're just like normal, like, well-put-together, well-moraled moms who just lose it all in the moment when they hear that opening guitar riff, Luke, and that one-handed drum beat. And um, then, you know, they sing the chorus wildly and outwardly, Luke. They have no idea what they're actually in effigy welcoming onto them, Luke. Do you know what I mean? No. All right. All right. I had a much longer point, Luke. We would have gone down some roads, got off a couple exits, took a detour and come back. But you know what? It would have slayed if you didn't know sell it. It would have slayed. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It was perilous. I was I was tiptoeing, Luke. I could have fell in at any point, but I think it would have slayed. Just I would you like know what to I'm thinking next not being fired. Next MK doc, Luke. What about which this? Is, which is apparently never getting made. If we can get Doc Seven in production, uh, if we can get Jake to uh, get paid to do it here, uh, a lot of. T- By the way, like Magic Johnson on the '91 Lakers when he told management, "If you go sign Terry Teagle from the Warriors, I'll pay for his salary out of my deal because he wanted to win so bad." 
I did tell Showtime, I'll pay for Jake's hours to build the stock, okay? Yes, you All did right? say that, actually. I, right? I don't want them to take my money, but uh, yes, they can How take about yours. Doc 7? A lot of people making runs at the at that mic these days, at that stage, Luke. Just just going up and taking their swing. I, just, I, I was watching snippets of Andrew Schultz's comedy special. It was fantastic, Luke. A lot of people making that transition these days, like NBA players making rap albums in the 90s, right? What about your boy BC just... Just putting together like a tight 10, right? Like a tight ass 10. No, Something no. I can you, work the, with. The business card, as I understand it, is you got to have a tight five. 10, you can't do 10. You could maybe do five. Oh, maybe I'm ambitious. I'm, I'm, I'm ambitious, Luke. Um, and what if I just say, you know what? I don't know what it's going to look like. It could, it could be set on fire. It could be, a, you know, it could be like, like Geraldo opening the vault, you know, Capone there, and there's nothing, Luke. I may have nothing for this game. <laughs> But do I have the balls to try it one time, Luke? Uh, I don't know. Do you? Um, you know, Luke, I'm I'm a gunslinger. At the yes. end of the day, all right. Okay. Yeah. That's why I wear this wild head of hair, Luke. I only get one one trip around this globe. All right. Don't underestimate. Don't ever, Luke. Don't ever fucking underestimate me at any point, Luke. I will. I will cut. I will slice your throat, Luke. Okay, that's a little much, but, you know, I understand your enthusiasm. All right, let's go to topic number three, BC. How about the fights this weekend? How about the fights this weekend? The UFC is back in London with a heavyweight main event, one of the most consequential ones in some time. If you thought Cyril Gaon was going to be the next heavyweight champion like I did, well, you were wrong, although he could still be one. There is another gentleman from the Liverpool side of things who is knocking on that door, Tom Aspinall who will be the hometown guy, so to speak. We'll be taking on Curtis Blades. BC, we'll start there. How high are you on Tom Aspinall? And what would you say if he goes out there and not just beats Curtis Blades, but like beats him like a drum, like makes it look easy? What would you say? I'd say I was wrong, first of all. How high am I right now, Luke? Well, that's probably another... Another topic to debate at any point. How high am I on Tom Aspinall, though? Um, a lot higher than I originally was. You know, I thought that was going to be the night he got humbled against Alexander Volkov, where we go, okay, bright guy for the future. Love the youth and energy that him and Taito Ivasa bring to this division. But, you know, he's not of that ilk yet. Luke, he, he may be of that ilk right freaking now. So it's not just how quickly he submitted Volkov and passed that test. It is retroactively going back and kind of picking apart what I missed. And I thought, Luke, actually Tom Aspinall said it best this week at the media day um, ahead of this fight at the O2 in London, which is a you know obvious big deal locally. He, they slayed just a few months ago last time they were there with, with Molly Meatball and Patty and all that and Tom Aspinall. But he said, you know, what separates me is my speed, but my in-the-moment decision-making. And certainly these are topics we'd love to talk about when we have them on later in the show today, people, so don't miss out on this. But, Luke, there is sort of this under-the-layer, intangible side to him that 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 there's an IQ that's that's not your average Barrett heavyweight in there. And you mix that with being 6'5 and being quicker than he looks and you know having a heart and desire and all that. No, he hasn't answered every single question we're going to have of him, No. But there's 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 something more special underneath those house handmade tattoos there, Luke, than than maybe even my casual naked eye could realize. So if he goes out there and has the same level of one sided success against a guy that nobody does unless you have through the roof next level and Ganu Derek Lewis level power, which is Curtis Blades, who 
is the class of the he's gonna go he's gonna end up being the class of this division for a decade, Curtis Blades. He's that good. I don't know if he'll ever get over the hump. I hope, but he's that good. If he makes him look like he made Volkov look like Luke, dude, I'm I'm gonna restructure the, the title picture and who I want to see fight for the belt next. Like this guy's coming the hell on, Luke. And while Tuivasa got there with balls and the right matchup and the right punch at the right time, this guy is ahead of his time in terms of the experience he actually has with the skill that he's flaunting and showing. I can't wait to see how good he actually is, Luke, and I'm happy to say that up to this point, at least, I was wrong. And now I want to find out where does that extend? Where's the limits to what this guy can do? Because if somebody's going to make you look bad for five rounds, Curtis Blades will do that. He'll do that to you, Luke. Yes. Um, this is this is this is a great ass fight come Saturday afternoon. I'm I'm fired up. I'll say this: I, you know, in talking to some folks in in the British MMA side of things, you get a real clear sense that the departure of Bisping has created a well. Not, I mean, obviously, as a competitive fighter, obviously he's still commentating and still quite active. But in terms of like that fighter that could lead the market since the departure of Michael Bisping, there just really hasn't exactly been that. Darren Till was kind of that guy for a little while, but that hasn't really worked out. And there's a ton of very good fighters, like your Arnold Allens, for example, but he hasn't quite fully gotten there yet either, even though he's done very well for himself. There are, I think, a lot of hopes, a lot of fingers crossed, a lot of knocks on woods or knocking on wood that Aspinall is that guy, that Aspinall could actually be that guy who can be the torchbearer for that market, the very best one that they have, potentially a champion, the one that that you know the UK could really rally around. To me, you know, Aspinall, when you hear him talk, he's like, I don't really want to be rushed. I want to take my time. I want to work on this. I want to work on that. But dude, the reality is this. Gon had his shot against Francis. I do think he'll beat Tai Tuivasa, which kind of keeps him relevant. But you know, I, you know, I, I think if you beat Curtis Blades, which of course he may not. But let's say he does. If you beat Curtis Blades, you probably should fight for a title. There's not many guys above Curtis Blades, right? <laughs> like Curtis Blades, given his style matchup, could very well beat Gon. Not on the feet necessarily, but what we saw with his with Gon's ground game against Francis, why couldn't Curtis Blades do that? He could easily do something like that, at least relative to what Francis's grappling abilities are. I'm going to say of the two, Curtis Blades is a significantly better wrestler than Francis Ngannou and can maintain top control. We've seen that. So you would imagine, like I would probably favor Curtis Blades to win that one depending on how we fought. If you can beat Curtis Blades now in what yeah. I think will be his 15th MMA fight, dude, they're going to push him to the front of the line whether he's ready or not or whether he wants that opportunity or not. To me, what this is about is the UFC really, really, really wants a, the the next Michael Bisping. Tom Aspinall looks, BC, looks like he could be that. We'll have to see on Saturday. Yeah, um, this is getting exciting. And it's like, what what, what is the potential? If he, if, he if he blows through Blades. And by the way, maybe, the real, I've always loved Blades. I think he's going to fight for a title. I think he can be a champion. I don't know if it'll work out for him. We'll see. But there's like a an elite version of Blades when the confidence, when everything's right, when everything's right, there's a version of, of Blades the Striker, Luke, that, you know, he's not as dangerous on the feet as he is on the ground in terms of controlling a fight and winning it, but when he believes in that offense, now there's times he's gone in there and, and the times we've seen him get finished viciously, you know, he may have walked in there that night believing in that offense, but there there is a... It, it, he can't always be consistent with it, but if he can activate that next level, you know, this is, again, like you said, as hard of a matchup in this division as you can find, so that's why you have to reorder your title picture if... 
Aspinall blows through Blades. And what's the worst case scenario that they give him Stipe at like Wembley Arena? That might be the worst case scenario, Luke. You know what I mean? Because we don't really know is John going to come back and fight Stipe for the interim? Or is the UFC just saying, well, we've waited this long. If we have to wait a few more months and do John's and Gano in a damn, you know, Las Vegas dome. I mean, that's a that's a massive fight. Dude, you could see something like Aspinall on the Stipe level after this. There's no one else to fight after this if he wins it. There's no, you know, there's no one else. Unless unless Tuivasa upsets gone, there's nobody else, Luke. Yeah. Well, the John Jones factor is sort of looming out there, right? Like, what if he... First of all, I don't even know if he's ever going to come back. I mean, they keep saying he's going to come back. He might. I guess we'll see. But even then, we'll have to see what he looks like. But okay, but at least in theory, you have to take that possibility seriously. You have to at least consider that he could come back. But I'm with you, dude. Like... You know, I think if I want to be very clear here, Blades is a very, very good fighter. There, if Aspinall loses, this is hardly him blowing up the dreams of the UK market having their Michael Bisping 2.0 because this would be just his 15th UFC or 15th MMA fight. You know, he has time to get better. I still am very high on Tom Aspinall, win or lose. I just feel like if he wins, he's going to get fast tracked, and that's the beginning end of that story. Um, but I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, but John Jones. John Jones is kind of that one out there where you're like, how does he slot in at any time and what's it going to be and, and everything else out there. But, dude, Curtis Blades, we're not really talking about him, BC. I'm with you. Curtis Blades, okay, he lost to Derek Lewis and that, you know, he lost badly to Derek Lewis. But in general, man, he beats everyone who isn't a champion. In general. In general, that's who he beats. This is a hell of a test for Tom Aspinall. That's why I think it's so consequential. If you can beat Curtis Blades and you can do it soundly, there's nothing really left. That's it. You're you're ready to go. Look, so. do you believe when you talk about what makes Espinal special that w- in his own words, saying the decision making, I can you know I can think quicker than people and just be there, and it helps when you're six five, jacked, and also quick at that size. So he's got a lot going for him. But do you see that that there there's it, it does kind of make it hard to put a ceiling on him because there's that extra sprinkle magic on him. Like, I don't know how to fully put it into words, but I got I got asked this I got asked this earlier in the week by someone, and their basic point was like, what is it about him? And it's like, well, it's he's not like Volkanovsky in the sense that, you know, Volkanovsky went three rounds against Aldo. He went uh fifteen rounds against Holloway. He went uh, one of those the, however many I think the, the or take a fight, go the distance, whatever it was. I can't remember anymore. But you know, you get the idea. Like these fights have gone long. So there's a ton of tape on him. And at that point, you can begin to like pinpoint exactly what's happening. With Aspinall, this fucker has seen the second round in the UFC once, has never seen the third round ever. There's not a ton of tape. So your, your question, I think, is actually really well-intentioned. Um, you're right, the athleticism is big. I, I'll read his stats on Friday. They're mind-bogglingly good. Like You cannot fucking believe how good they are. But uh, the, the better point is, like, A, the fact that he makes short work of everyone is sort of one, the accumulation of that is kind of big. But you're right, it is the decision-making. Dude, he makes great choices. He makes great choices from a game-planning standpoint. He makes great choices in the middle of a fight, and then he's got the athleticism to bring that to bear. So the decision-making, really fight IQ, high. He fights, it's not like, he fights really calm. Okay, that's accurate to say, you know, for a fighter with, what, six UFC fights, like you said, never been past the second round. But it, it's like... It's not like a misplaced overconfident. It's just like a, I'm really comfortable in here. You know what I mean, Luke? And I know that that it's like okay, that's what that's anyone on the elite level. But he seems really, really, really comfortable in there. Is really what I'm saying. So when you have also speed advantages and you can make those quick decisions, 
He doesn't look worried at all about what's coming at him. And I think that's allowed him to make some of these quick endings. But uh, like anyone else, love to see him in a five-round banger and see what's really under the hood, Luke. But, you know, the interviews, I, I think he's in a humble spot. You're right. You would think somebody with the success he had and how close he seems to be from really cashing in on that success might say, F it. Let's get John Jones next. Let's get Francis next. Let you know, F everybody else. But, like, no, he's really like, no, I'm the one who knows. I need more work, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to get there. It's like, damn. there's a, that's, that's maturity, Luke, but it's, like, different. It's like, I know there, there's a secret, and I know it. And you guys will find it out, but, like, I don't care to tell you about it. Just watch, you know? Uh, also ballsy, on this card, BC, do you have any strong feelings? It was supposed to be Darren Till. He's now out. Curtis, Chris Curtis takes his place. Jack Hermanson versus Chris Curtis. It's a fine fight. It's actually a really cool storyline, especially for Curtis, who won on the Contender Series, didn't get a contract, nearly re- or did retire, kind of came back, had some ho-hum performances in PFL, and has been on a pretty decent run in UFC against Jack Hermanson, who tasted the top, found himself wanting, but still wants to do relevant work. Do you have a strong opinion about this one? Uh, Entertainment-wise, I'm into it. I don't think um, Hermanson's completely done either in terms of you know putting Win Street together and, and doing some stuff. Uh, he's been underrated at times. He he's had some some rough endings, but um, this is a good fight as well for him. You know, you got to like his chances more. But yeah, Luke, I'm remote, romantically engaged into the uh, into the Curtis uh, action opportunity storyline just the same. So I like that bit of theater, and I think that it's. It's another piece of fruit in this basket. You know, you're going to get the Patty Pimblett fan reaction and is the guy for real and can Jordan Levitt expose him or do we have something here just the same with Molly Meatball? I mean, there's intention, Luke, of Aspinall, which you're right in saying everyone seems to look through the bunch and say, okay, this guy has the quickest path potentially to a title to become a thing. But they keep putting Patty and, and Molly, their little life podcast around him, Luke, and in orbit. And I know there's other storylines, and there's Paul Craig, and there's Gustafson and all that. But uh, all together, I'm really excited, and it's an afternoon East Coast time to start. So what is it? Luke, 3 p.m. the main, is it? Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe that's right. I mean, how good does that feel, Luke? You know those West Coast people that brag about watching the NFL in their pajamas when they wake up, you know, and we're like, we have no idea what you're talking about. I got to go to church first and, you know, mow the lawn, and, uh, you know, I got a lot going on before that. Don't, I, want, I want to I live a life, Luke, where the fights are on in the afternoon. How do we get there? Do I have to, just, I have to move? Is that what you're saying? I think you have to move, yeah. Uh, BC, so let's talk about this one very quickly to close on the fight night card. Patty Pimblett taking on Jordan Levitt. Jordan Levitt, I think 10-1 and one in UFC. Patty Pimblett with two fights in UFC and undefeated. Pimblett makes a big splash. The fans love him. Uh, the, the, and particularly the UK fans think very highly of him. He's got a unique look. He's got a unique way of talking. He does have a pretty good ground game. He has a lot of good experience from Cage Warriors. But he gets, he gets his bell rung a lot. His defensive striking, a bit of an issue. Jordan Levitt, not so much a threat in that ballpark. A grappler. Here's the thing. Do you like this matchmaking? I actually do because... This is one where Pimblet could lose, but also one where uh, you could see him with the right intensity easily winning. In other words, you don't have to worry about Pimblet's striking so much in this one. It's a grappling-focused kind of fight, and Levitt is actually good enough to win, but he's not so much a threat that it's like, oh, well, what's Pimblet really going to do here? It's pretty competitive. For those reasons, I kind of like it. What about you? Yeah, yeah, it's good, it's, it's good matchmaking, and, and we have to just understand what the UFC really has with Patty. You know, I mean, forget Aspinall's title, you know, aspirations and, and possibilities, which would be the face of the UK movement at the moment, like you mentioned. This guy could just lap that 
in terms of the star potential. But yeah, I'm with you and a lot of people of what I've seen. I'm certainly not convinced. It is great theater, Luke. It's not necessarily so far in left field like O'Malley's character at the moment where where the 43 and a 9 tenths year old me is just like, I don't get it. That's cool. Go ahead. I get Patty. I don't love it, but I'm entertained, Luke. I don't always love it, but I'm pretty entertained. I mean, he can fight in terms of the the motor in him and the want to go out there and do it. This is that right challenge. You can't push him too fast, too quick. Um, <laughs> you do, Luke, we, we, we say this is the UFC. This is the big leagues. Everybody, you know, you get the same harsh treatment. Hey, Brock Lesnar, you're getting Frank Carr or Frank Mir. I'm sorry on your first fight, but that's not the case anymore. You can, you know, slow down the matchmaking a bit. And, you know, I think we saw that with O'Malley the last few fights, regardless of the reasoning behind it. And, uh, the, the question is when, Luke? When does Patty get figured out? And can he get some wins that he, you know, that he almost doesn't deserve to keep that momentum going? Like, how far can he go, Luke? Is he a wolf in sheep's clothing in terms of his vulnerabilities? Does You know what I mean? Like, is this just that catnip to get the the old guys sitting on the porch, so you and me, to go, oh, that guy's not not for real. But let's tune in and watch the next seven times he tries to show us whether he is. Like, it... it if there's a little bit of a crazy sly fox in his act in that regard, look, it works. It works. Yeah, I, I I tend to think that the UFC is, you know, they gave him contracts at several points or gave him UFC offers at several points in his career, and he declined them. I think this is the third time he finally did sign with them, which was the right call. I think he needed to get more experience, and he did, and everyone comes along in the way that they did. And by the time he made the UFC, again, the look, the talk, the way it kind of caught on fire, certainly over in the UK. And I guess UFC, US fans love him as well. But the slow rolling of the matchmaking tells you exactly what the UFC makes of him, which is that they're not exactly sure what they have or what it's going to really turn into. However, this one is like, I'll say this, it's bad if Patty loses this one. Because as I mentioned, this is not like some striker who's got like good takedown defense that's going to really put it on him in a way where his deficiencies that are known would show up, and I've talked about this before, Soren Bach, who beat him in Cage Warriors and beat him with the grappling, basically, over the course of five rounds, went on to Bellator, kind of showed that even with the grappling, there are some limits, but this is one that is certainly winnable for him. But if you can't beat a guy who is not so much a dynamic threat on the feet, does have good grappling, but that's supposed to be your you know, your base, um, that would be a real bad sign, I think. So I'm not going to say this is a do-or-die contest, I think the UFC is trying to get as much out of him as they can, but and the, and again, dude, if you're Patty, you have to love the matchmaking. You got a guy who will accommodate you in all likelihood in the grappling department. But if you can't beat that guy, you know you're not probably not going to go very far. Um, also, I have to ask you, BC, yeah. where are you on the Molly McCann versus Hannah Goldie? matchup that's well, got BC written all over it you might not be surprised Luke I'm pretty deep in that one and I will tell you this you know we do have a recurring Wednesday uh, storyline special segment where BC announces his super sloppy special of the week and that would be this Luke um it's gonna be interesting because look I you know I was a little skeptical on Meatball Molly in the beginning too and I think she's really kind of putting it together and she just had her knockout win in her last fight given the the, the setting and you know in the UK and the placement it got on television I mean it was massive um I think she's the better fighter here against Hannah Goldie who's who's typically been a prelim fighter and has you know had some ups and downs although Luke I do call her the Sean Shirk of uh of the women's uh, strawweight division you're gonna have to agree with that Luke no I don't 
She's a physical tank, Luke. She'll go in there and brawl, too, but she's a physical tank. Um, you know, I think Molly Cannon should win this. I don't think it'll be easy, but I think this could end up being a, a fun-ass fight, Luke, for all the reasons you would believe. I mean, there, you know, with crazy transitions and dramatic twists and turns. So I want you to be aware of this, and I want you to be ready, Luke. This is going to be entertaining. Where are you on the return of Gustafson, A, and his return to 205 as he takes on Krilov? I have to say, people, I, I'm like reasonably high on it, I guess. No, I'm kind of interested, no. but not that high. No, Luke. No, I don't. I, don't, I think it, it, I, I'd love to. God bless you. I'd love for it to be proven wrong, Luke. And I'm certainly not a hater. Alexander Gustafson, dude. I can't tell you how many times I rewatched the Cormier fight, Luke. That No one talks about how great that fight was. Great. All right. Love me some Gus. But he hasn't convinced me, you know, the one off at heavyweight or, or the comeback from the original retirement that I don't want to say that there's still not something left in there. I mean, he is only like 35, Luke. There could be something left in there. I just haven't seen the motivation, the right motivation, I guess is what I'm saying. I haven't seen that spark. I don't know why he's doing it. Could just be, you know, that's who he is. Scratch the itch. I'm not sure. I haven't looked that deeply into it. But from what I have seen, I don't. This is a tough matchup, Luke. Come back down to 205. I mean, really, ever since, I don't think he's been the same since the second Jones fight. You know, where I think he came into it and we probably over over pumped up his value because we were just excited that that rematch became possible, even with the last minute city change and all that. But you go back and watch it, you're like, oh, yeah, that was not just the beginning of the end. That's kind of who he's been for a while, Luke. So if Gus can re-hit that spark, then this is, could be a great matchup. But I kind of feel like one-way traffic is coming, Luke, and I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that, okay? We shall see. And then lastly, Paul Craig versus Volkan Uzdemir opens the it's main a good fight. Card. Fun it's a good-ass fight. fight, dude. Really fun fight. Yeah, I totally agree. Why do you like it so much? Uh, look, Paul Craig's probably going to do Paul Craig things and get dropped early and almost stopped and then rally to get a submission win. And Luke, <laughs> as dangerous as Vulcan Ozdemir is, and he is, this is the perfect type opponent to have that type of finish against. It really is, you know? And on the flip side, if you're Craig and you're going to keep taking some of that unnecessary damage before setting up what you do best, this is the wrong guy to F around with, Luke, whether you're in the Octagon or in a Fort Lauderdale bar, Luke. Never forget that exchange, right? Um, you know, Vulcan's not the same stock right now that he was when he kind of got fast-tracked to a title because there was no one else, a title shot, because there was no one else available at that moment, but uh, he still could thump Luke, so this is a good-ass fight, man, and how many more does Paul Craig have to win before he gets some, like, you know, push into that title picture, Luke? Uh, Probably a lot. Probably a lot, because... You know, he's got some a pretty amazing wins on his record, but there a lot of them are like, you know, victory from the jaws of defeat. He is 5-0-1 uh, in the last six. 5-0-1, Luke. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, maybe maybe not too far, but I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of other guys who, you know, we still have the Smith versus Ankalaya fight coming up. Rakic is kind of still out there, although he was injured. You got Jan. Glover, Mike. I mean, there's a lot of guys ahead of him. You know, that sort of. I, thing. I'm not saying uh, I'm not pushing this to topic because I think he has huge chance of you know becoming <clears throat> the next champion. I love Paul Craig's game, but he has five zero and one in his last six, and there's a few mixture of like decent names and old names like Shogun. But like he did just finish Krylov in the first round, Luke. So, um, it's gonna be hard to keep him out if he keeps winning, right? Some a guy to watch, which makes this fight even more interesting. A guy to watch in the larger picture. Agreed. Agreed. And, and, and certainly, you know, something of an MMA unicorn in the way that he fights. Really a special guy. I like Paul Craig a lot. All right. Let's go to topic number four because the UFC London fights will naturally be on Saturday. 
on Friday, you get Bellator 283 BC. And in your main event, I got to tell you, this is a big fight for Douglas Lima. Douglas Lima has been on a terrible losing streak, the worst of his career, I would say. And he does not have an easy fight next. Jason Jackson, the ass-kicking machine, is his known nickname, who has been fighting at 175 for a few times. But uh, we, our guy, Rashad Evans, has been high on Jason Jackson for a really long time. BC, Douglas Lima did an interview with MMA Junkies Danny Segura saying, you know, like, have I lost a step? Am I too old? Like, he has really begun to grapple with, frankly, existential questions. Is it? A case where he is too old. Has he lost a step? What has gone wrong? And what does he face against Jason Jackson? Yeah, I mean, three-fight losing streak. Obviously, all title or fairly damn high elite matchups. It's tough, Luke. This is the right type of matchmaking to find it, to find out that question. It also, obviously, given the, the status of where Jackson is in the rankings, uh, would allow a, what is he, a three-time former champion, Luke, or two-time? Could be three, right? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I have to double check that, but several times. I yeah. mean, he would be right back in the mix. You beat a guy like Jackson at this point. So you have to look at that losing streak and say, I mean, look, he's not young. He's been in some tough-ass fights. I mean, a lot of a lot of his biggest wins are tough-ass fights. Was it the rest of the competition catching up to him just as he slowed down a bit? I mean, remember the first fight with Rory? That was a hell of a fun fight, Luke. Um or was it just, you know, wrong matchup, wrong time? Okay, so he fought Musasi the first one. The, way, the the size differential kind of daring to be great. You get what would happen there. The second one, Luke, didn't look so good. But most recently against MVP in the split decision loss, would you argue that he, for the first time, showed how he can sustain the fact that he's getting old and it's slipping away naturally, physically, by leaning on his wrestling and making that a different kind of fight for big stretches, Luke. I mean, he did have a rally in him, and he did have a focus on efficiency and saying, okay, this is what I can bring to this moment right here. This is my best chance to win. Because, you know, the old stalker and leg striker and just walk you down and you know, he may not be able to be that guy anymore against some of these more elite guys. So I'm not going to, you know, rip him for the Amasov loss, Luke, to lose the title. But it was it was one-sided as shit. It was way more one-sided than I thought it would be. I like at least the spirit against MVP. Did that show you, like Arlovsky, like sometimes you see these guys delaying the inevitable, finding another sunset before walking away? I have concerns, not that he couldn't win this fight. I, I do think it is winnable because Jason Jackson is talented and he's big for the weight class. But, um, you know, the yeah, I think Douglas Lima has enough in enough areas of the game if he mixes it up. Like we talked about Lee Zheng Lang in his fight against Muslim Salikov where he was targeting the head, body, and legs all equally, which is not right or wrong per se, but it was very right for him in that particular context. It was a really smart application of, of strategy. I think if you see something in, in, in the sense of Lima doing a little bit of wrestling, doing some clinching, fighting at distance, you know, mixing a lot of different offensive elements in there and, and not letting Jason Jackson settle, yeah, I do think he can actually win this contest. So there is a potential out there, but I the, the signs are bad, man. Like He beats Michael Page in twi- May of 2019, Venom Page, and he looked like that was one of his best wins. And then he had a really strong win against Rory McDonald. But then he fought Musasi and looked very languid. And then you're right about the Amasov fight. Amasov just kind of, I won't say ran over him, but didn't have that much trouble. 
And then the Michael Page one, Page is better, and then Lima's on the downside. And so even there was a bit of a third round rally or whatever it was. Look at him in top position. Yeah, I mean, look at the fight he's putting on that video right now, Luke. Yeah, I know, but to drop that way that he did, I, I am glad that he was confronting the existential questions. I think that is actually good. Not denying it, not pretending it's not a role, it's real, confronting it. I think that part is very good. On the other hand, the question is, it too little, too late? I always talk about it, man. Like, you know, whether it's your title or the end of your career, it's going to happen, and it might happen sooner than you think. And so for a fighter, you have to be really kind of candid about that. I appreciate his can- candor. It is winnable. This fight will tell us. Jason Jackson, I'm going to, for folks who don't watch a lot of Bellator, let me just sort of warn you. Jason Jackson is not an easy fight, dude. Not an easy fight at all. This is a really tough one. So the good news for Douglas Lima fans is if he beats a guy like Jason Jackson, that's a great sign. And losing it is not the end of the world, but it would be four in a row at that point. And I also want to remind folks, he made his MMA debut, his pro debut, all the way back in July of 2006. My man's been fighting for a long time. He's been in Bellator since 2011. You know, there's a lot of miles on him, and these weren't a lot of easy fights either. There's a lot that has happened in his career up to this point. So what I would say is, you know, fairly, fairly consequential doings here in this main event on on Friday night in Bellator from Tacoma, Washington. I wonder if, you know, we'll, we'll get into this more when we uh, preview this fight, the X's and O's on Friday, Luke, and we'll be all over CBS Sports HQ, I'm sure, uh, getting ready for this, the way in special, all that. But, you know, I wonder if, if for Lima, you do focus on a on a potential ground attack here, Luca. Do you do fo- you do really try to try to time your shots and really try to offset the amount of time you're going on even terms on the feet against a younger aggressive guy? Is there is there an avenue here for that? I mean, we just saw Logan Storley win an interim title, right? By by doing that to MVP, whether we agreed with the st- scoring or not, Luke. Um, that may be the best avenue against a, a, a Jason Jackson who is an ass kicking machine, Luke, um, because. It could go bad for him if this turns into an action fight, I believe. He's got to kind of the, avoid that. The issue for Lemus, I agree that the ground has definitely need, needs to be a critical component of this fight. The issue for Lima, and this is why it's been a bad sign, is he's just looked a little lifeless. Yeah. you know, And you yeah. know this from boxing. What the, what's the number one sign when someone is done in boxing is when they get hit and don't throw back. You know, And there was a little bit of that happening in some of these fights where he was just kind of getting hit or taken down and... You know, he was kind of fighting it off, but there wasn't like, you know, this extreme urgency that you see from someone like Izzy, who is, you know, in the smack middle of his prime or something like that. It, it was just kind of like, you know, I'll fight it off. I'll kind of hold on. But, he, you know, accepting of certain things, that's a bad sign. So yeah. we'll see if he can reverse it, but it's certainly in play. Also on this card, BC, I, he might get a title shot off this. I think he's ranked number three right now in the Bellator lightweight division or, or uh, uh, no, is it lightweight or I'll look at the, the lightweight. The, lightweight. Yes. Yeah, so I'm out of my mind here. For some reason, I was thinking it was bantamweight. No, it's lightweight. Usman Nurmagomedov taking on Chris Gonzalez. Chris Gonzalez, by the way, a wrestling standout himself. Usman Nurmagomedov, BC, he is, I'm telling you, this guy's going to be champion. I don't know when. I don't know when. But would you share my enthusiasm? This guy's got belt holder written all Dude, over him. You know my box of Russian hammers, Luke, that I have to bring out often in this discussion and, and just, you know... His is of the the squiggly shaped with the nice paint job on it because he's not only of that Russian hammer contingency and and representing, but there's a lot to love about his complete game. I think his first couple fights in Bellator have really showcased that. I mean, you're you're Habib's <laughs> cousin, and your first name is Usman. I mean, like you know, and you also can back up the wrestling you know Dagestan reputation. 
But yet, Luke, it's a lot of his sort of plus ability to to take fight, you know, to, to, to suddenly it's checkmate and the fight's over, to take you there. Um, he's something special. I, I, you know, a win here, you, you can't keep him away from a title shot. I mean, Luke, one day he's going to fight AJ McKee for a title in one of these divisions, and it's going to be a fan-friggin-tastic fight. I think yeah, you know that. There's Usman something in you that off. understands It's that. like, yeah. for folks who haven't watched a lot of Bellator, like, what is he good at? Well, the answer is probably everything. Everything. He can strike his ass off in ways Habib never could. I don't know if he has the Habib-level ground game, but his ground game is excellent. Decision-making is great. Athleticism is where it needs to be. Coaching is obviously, you know, pretty fucking good. Dude, that guy is going to wear a Bellator belt, and he's probably going to wear it for as long as he wants. He is so talented. It's shocking how good he is. And BC, I got to say, the card overall, people are sleeping on it. The main event may or may not grab you. I don't know. But this fight, Nurmagomedov-Gonzalez is on it. Lorenz Larkin is back on this card. How about this one? Sydney Outlaw, a top yes. prospect, or top contender, I should say, taking on Tafik Musayev is on this one. Romero Cotton, gets- a top prospect. Let me very quickly. Dalton uh, Rost is on this card. Uh, Gadzi Rabadinov, who's a fucking another one of your hammers, is yeah. on this card. Taking on Bobby King. Uh, Feraldo versus Iniguez is on this card. Dude, this one is filled with these up-and-coming interesting guys that you really should be paying attention to. Yeah, by the way, Bobby King is always always makes fun fights. Uh, all Hawaiian there, Luke. But uh, Sydney Outlaw getting co-main event status in here, Luke, I think tells you that you know there's certainly something there. He's put together some good wins. This is a tough fight, and this is a great opportunity in the same division as Usman Nurmagomedov, who's going to fight before him, you know, that, that he's got big potential here with Bellator. So you like to see some of this. I mean, look, you, if you're Bellator from the standpoint of, like, the homegrown idea or, you know, having Amasov become the champion, Nemkov become the champion, guys that, that really, you know, they may have been in other organizations, but, not, you know, not major ones making monster headlines. They've come through the Bellator way here. The, these names, you know, I mean, we just saw Cody Law loss, lose. He's going to have to bounce back. But these names are coming through. And, and Aaron Pico is still around, Luke, and he's still going to be coming on and eventually fighting for a title soon. I wonder if Outlaw is fashioning himself to be in that group, Luke. Uh, do you Have you seen enough to see... That 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 this is a guy who could be something. Yeah, but Tofik Musayev is a, like real good. <laughs> He's like, real good. So Let's it's like, it. yeah, he definitely Sydney Outlaw is definitely worthy of your respect. But this is not an easy fight. And I want to remind folks, Roman Feraldo's on this card as well. Seven and zero guy taking on Luis Iniguez. BC Feraldo is a high light machine on the feet and don't believe me just put his name into youtube put his name into whatever search or social media channel you prefer and watch the fights that come up this guy is as exciting a striker as they come for guys who have less than 10 fights in mma he is incredible in that Dude, he's way. knocking mofos out. i mean he's just knocking people the fuck out Luke. yes so this is one of those cards where by the way women's flyweight fight vita ortega taking on vanessa porto as well I would make a case that obviously the the main event carries a lot of significance for Bellator and their division. Certainly, Sydney Outlaw is worthy of respect, and you got Nurmagomedov on the main card. In that sense, it's better. Also, Lorenz Larkin on the main card. But this prelim card, in terms of having a bunch of interesting names, you know, depending on your preference of what you care about, it might be actually more interesting than the main card, which of course will be free on YouTube or Pluto TV. There's a lot to like on this card from the Emerald Queen Casino and Hotel in Tacoma, Washington, BC. Have you been to Tacoma, Washington? I've never been. Look, Washington State is right up there on my must, you know, 
you know I'm a big nature guy, Luke. They got rainforests, they got alpine-looking peaks, they got ocean. I mean, that's, you know, I, I'm not going to be out in Kiesta territory over at uh, Eggers Meats, Luke, taking down that land Jaeger like you did, but uh, I, I am looking forward to head up, you know, all those national, you know, North Cascades National Park, Luke. I, I want to see that shit. Have you been to that state? No, I've, so the Pacific Northwest has eluded me. I've actually never been to. I've been to a lot of places in the world. I've never been to Oregon or Washington State. I am, I'm sleeping on that big time. Yeah. Uh, Why don't you okay. save the next trip that was scheduled for Medellin and uh, head on over to like you know uh, Seattle, Luke? Okay. Well, here's the difference. As wonderful as Seattle is, the U.S. dollar right now is so fucking strong. It's like four and a half to one. On the Colombian peso, which means you can go to Colombia and live like a goddamn king. Oh, so, like 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 steak dinners, all the like for breakfast, Luke, right? Like literally, it would be hard to spend a hundred dollars in a day. It would be actually kind of hard. Wow, um, and that what about like massages and like pampering and that kind of stuff? You that's cheap too, dude. So. So you could go to the beach and there's these ladies that come by and they give massages. They just walk around doing it. And they, and they always come by and they're like, ooh, mucho tension, masaje, masaje. <laughs> uh, those are like $5. They're like $5. Oh, wow. Yeah. Dude, Robert Kraft could clean up down there, Luke. That, it's awful. That's awful. That's just, yeah, okay. All right. Well, he'd have to clean up because he'd be busy, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. Making it gross there. Okay. Yeah. BC, topic five, we'll do some quick hitters. Volkanovsky is sort of responding to what's happening in the featherweight division. He's asking, like, you know, would Rodriguez for an interim title be a possibility? Uh, Dana White says he likes it. He doesn't hate it. But then Volk on the MMA Hour says, I don't mind the idea while I'm sitting here. I won't read the rest of the quote because we don't really need to. But do you like the... We talked about this. Dana White seems to like it. Volkanovsky doesn't seem to mind it. It's the make right it. fight to make. As we said yeah. before, the winner would then take in pay-per-view points heading into any unification with Volkanovski. BC, hard not to like it. And Josh Emmett doesn't get screwed. Where do I sign up, Luke? Let's do this thing right, right now. And by the way, it's a right. great freaking fight on top of that. So, yes, please. Thank you. Move on. Uh, Frankie Edgar reveals his desired opponent for his retirement fight. First of all, before we can get to this, let me just say I'm glad that he is contemplating retirement. My man has taken... He, first of all, he's done an amazing amount. He will go in the UFC Hall of Fame. I have very little doubt about that. I'm sure you probably agree. Was beloved in ways in his peak that I don't think current fans would really understand. Dude, stayed and, relevant at an age, at a weight class that he's going down in weight the second half yes. of his career. I mean, that's wild. You know? In three weight classes. Won a yeah. title at 155, was relevant at 145 and fought for a title, and was relevant at 135, at least for a little while. Um, with pretty important fights. I mean, he was... I remember when he fought Tyson Griffin. I think it was Tyson Griffin was his UFC debut. And that was a time when Tyson Griffin was kind of at, like, you know, was a, a, a very good fighter. And I was like, I don't know who this scrub is from, you know, Tom's Driven, New Jersey. Tyson Griffin's going to beat his ass. And then Frankie Edgar went in there and fucking gave it to him. And I was like, whoa, who is this guy? Amazing, right? All right. But Frankie talked to Brett Okamoto from ESPN. Here's what he said. Quote, honestly... I'm never one to call out anybody or pick anybody. I usually let the UFC and Ali, who's his manager, figure that out. But I'll say a name just because it's more of a legacy fight. And I know he's got a fight coming up and everything. And who knows how it can happen and go down. But I think Dominic Cruz. He was a champion at 135 when I was a champion at 155. Still both pretty much top of the division. I think that could be an interesting fight. BC, do you agree? 
Uh, hell yeah. This is what you, this is how old guys should be fighting each other. Get Mr. Faber involved in one of these again if he's interested. Yes, Luke. Um, it's great matchmaking. I don't want to see Frankie against a hammer. I thought, you know, maybe he should have walked away after that last fight. But if he wants one more against a, another name, he could soak up the moment. He could have a reason to get in great shape. And, you know, it's a matchup where you don't, at least on paper, suspect him to take a ton of damage. He ended up uh, requesting Luke to the UFC per Aaron Bronstetter that this fight would take place at MSG, yes. uh, UFC 281. So that's basically Frankie's backyard there outside of Jersey. So uh, that's the type of legend that you would like to see be given the, the red carpet on the way out in ways, as you like to often mention, which is true. It doesn't happen in this promotion, Luke. They don't do that shit. All right. They don't, but to get a retirement fight at MSG would be big, and I hope he gets it, and I hope that that's the end of it because he's had a great, great career. All right, lastly, we'll end on this one. We spoke to Hasim Rockman Jr. I think everyone and their brother did, but we were one of them. And uh, BC, I, I, I got to tell you, I'm going to say this. If you didn't know their names and you just knew who X Fighter was, let's say it's Jake Paul, his record, and the record of the guys that he beat, and then the Y Fighter, Hasim Rockman. And all the guys he beat in his record, if you didn't know their names, you just knew them as X and Y, you would never, ever pick X to beat Y. You would never do it. It wouldn't make any sense. So there's a big question of like, has Jake Paul bitten off more than he can chew? Rockman Jr. spoke to us and certainly believes that. And you had asked him about some of his details on sparring Jake Paul and, and what he learned. We got a couple of audio clips. This is what he told us about sparring Jake Paul. Um, I learned that he doesn't know, like he, his, his, his trainers, the people that are doing this for him, they don't tell him that they're asking people not to knock this guy out. He's In his head, he's convinced that these sparring sessions are real fights because he doesn't have an amateur background. Um, so he, he doesn't have amateur fight experience. So when he gets in there with the pro, he's treating it like it's a real fight. And, you know, the pros such as myself and other people that are sparred him, we're being told, okay, don't, don't turn southpaw. Don't knock this guy out. Don't piss him off or else it's going to be hard to get you paid. He's not going to come off the money. Um, with that being said, that's a that's a super handicap to me. And for him to, to have built this false bravado, this false confidence, it's only going to be a detriment to his health come August 6th. He's going to be in trouble. What'd you think? Uh, the look uh, I, on my face was not the way I was feeling. I looked like I was, you know, pissed off at the DMV or something. But uh, yeah. I was actually interested to hear what he had to say. Uh, look, I, I, after our interview with him, and you can obviously check it out at youtube.com slash morningcombat in full, along with our Luke's chat with Jake Paul. At the end of that interview with Hasim Jr., I'm like, oh, he's going to win this fight by knockout. And Luke, at the end of the day, that's what I love about this matchup. I know this wasn't the planned matchup. You and I weren't all that excited for Tommy Fury, especially if... Tyson couldn't travel and be by his side and play up the sort of circus of it. Well, it turns out none of the Furies can travel at the moment, or at least they say this is a way better fight because here's the bottom line. The best thing I can tell you about why you should order this August 6th, although Showtime's not telling me to say this, but the fan in me is Luke and the fan in me is saying this. I'm not sure if this is trap fight city and Jake's going to not only take the first L, but get stopped. Or if this actually is given some of the vulnerabilities and inconsistencies of Rockman Jr., the perfect matchup for Jake to look great and pass a big test. The truth may end up being in the middle, and if it is, we may end up getting a very entertaining, dramatic fight, Luke, with a lot to fight for for both, seriously, in terms of keeping the train moving. I mean, Rockman Jr.'s 
career was just not being talked about. He just lost his first uh, pro bout to Tommy Morrison's kid and got stopped and gassed out. So um, for him to now get to turn this around, have this opportunity, he's such a wild card that I got to see it, Luke. I don't really know. I don't really know who's telling the truth about the sparring. I don't really know, and I like that. It's refreshing. Fair enough. And to to that point, there's you know there's not red flags in the sense of Jake. We all know he's got limited experience and limited abilities as a boxer, and we know that on paper, which I indicated on paper, Rockman Jr.'s resume is much better. But we also saw the presser BC in Madison Square Garden where his own dad kind of aired him out. So we asked him about that. Here's what he said. Yes, absolutely. And that's what he said at the conference, um, you know, where he said that I've been underprepared for my fights like this. This fights that I've won by first, a lot of fights that I've won by first round knockout, um, where I, I, I could have been in better shape or I could have ended that fight uh, in even more emphatic fashion. Uh, with that being said, I think that, um, you know, having an honest person in your corner is the best thing. Because I know when it comes down to it, he's going to be honest. He's going to let me know what's going on. He's going to let me know what I need to do. And if I listen, I'll come out on top. There you have it. So that, again, August 6th, Showtime pay-per-view. I got to tell you, if you're not interested in Jake Paul, then you know, you're know not interested in Jake Paul. But if you are at all curious about what his actual boxing ability is, this is by a million miles the best time to figure out what he's got. This is it. For all of the red flags and the short notice and the wait, which will complicate matters, BC, I think you would agree, we've yeah. never had a better test case to see. Because even with the Fury fight, I don't think it would have told you. This one, at least in theory, stands a much better chance of telling us where Jake Paul is on this one. Absolutely. Thing. Look, if Jake's going to go to 6-0, and oh, he's going to have to earn it. I mean, he's going to have to legitimately earn it uh, with the opposition in front of him, or so we think. So that that's the intrigue. Uh, I did mention, Luke, in that interview, I got dead wronged preemptively by a ton of people. I'd said this is the first time Jake's fighting a real fighter. Obviously, I meant real professional boxer. No disrespect to the fighting heart of one Ben Askren or Tyron Woodley or Ann Eason Gibb or uh, <laughs> Nate Robinson, Luke. Right. Or, K-M-I-Z, KLF is going to rock you, yeah. Yes. Uh, Okay, BC, I want to remind folks, we are a nominee for the Best Sports Podcast and Best Male Hosted Podcast category in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. We appreciate all you guys for all you do for us, of course, and we hope you enjoy the show enough to nominate us to advance to the final round. To nominate Morning Combat, go to podcastawards.com or you can scan the QR code on your screen but it's podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up and toggle down to the sports category. The whole process takes less than 60 seconds, BC. We've included a link at the top of the episode description as well. Yeah, I mean, we don't have to pre- we don't have to always nail this, but this allows us to do some of the fun BS that, we're, that we love to do and involve you. So I'd love to have a live show on NYC, Luke. So do support us in ways like this. Maybe we can get something like that off the ground Thank you. Uh, for, with respect to Uriah Faber, Luke, we are the team alpha male in this in this space, in this division. And I think that's why we're up for best male podcast with all male viewers. <laughs> who would be the Dwayne Ludwig in that in that case? Who? The guy who gets to bang? <laughs> all right, BC. We may have to pause in the middle of fan subs. It depends how fast they go because we are expected to get Tom Aspinall live in about 10 minutes. But for now, we can we can always go back and finish. 
But let's let's go to the fan subs, huh? Yeah, morningcombat at gmail.com. You can send in your artwork. Mikey Mormile will sift through them. And here's the best of the best. We call it fan submission. You got mail. Fan subs. You got mail. Viewers. Viewers. Yes, yes. All right. Uh, let's start out with Michael. He says, I found Luke's classmate's cushion, Elo Sand. I'm sorry. <laughs> Luke's classmate's custom Elo Sand. Just like BC said, they were avias with a Sharpie. Yeah, Luke, what the hell? I mean, Craig Dude. Elo? I mean, Air I Elo? Were... I, I honestly, I mean, I'm so glad that I'm wrong because it makes for parody in the funniest of ways. <laughs> But I could have, if you had told me on, like, in a deposition where I was, you know, hand on the Bible kind of thing, under oath, I would have told you I saw some Elos in seventh grade. I must be out of my fucking mind. <laughs> uh, did you have some bullshit basketball shoes at that age, like Voights or, like, uh, Dude, know, oh, LA let gear? me tell you. I've told you this before. So my parents were divorced, right? And, you know, shocker that I turned out the way that I did. But uh, wow! So I have two stories about this. I have two stories about this. One I've told you before. My dad bought us the Reebok pumps, and this was the kind when Reebok had like the little basketball, like the orange basketball on the tongue of the shoe. D Brown, baby. Yeah, yeah. And my mom. So my brother got him and brought it home from uh, for my dad, and my mom made us take it back. I never got to wear them one time. I was so fucking pissed. That was once. The other one was my my peak. Because I got injured that year, but my peak was I remember I've been this height since I was 14 years old, so I had a huge advantage over everyone. And I was on the it was my eighth grade year. I was on the basketball team, and uh, my mom refused to go along with the team. Like you know how the team would like buy shoes at large, yes. and everyone pays their thing. And we were all going to get these like sick Nike Air you know basketball shoes. And my mom made me buy like these brand new fucking ugly ass. This was like the mid nineties too. So you can imagine the color patterns, new balance basketball shoes Oh God! that were just the fucking worst. Oh, the I mean, worst. Dude, new balance is great for running shoes for people our age, Luke, but uh, that is not what you want to be wearing. Dude. I know. And uh, it sucks now, dude, because now that I'm old enough, I've been buying Jordans the last few years and wearing them like, you know, a middle-aged fucking crisis kind of guy. Uh, but the truth is I can't wear them anymore because the toe box is so narrow. It's fucking up my feet. So now I have to go back and wear ugly shoes. So at the point I could have worn cool shoes, I never got to wear cool shoes. My life sucks. Dude, I had a couple dark years in middle school where we had no money as a family and, uh, had to, had to wear the LA gears and get made fun of Luke. I, I've been there with you. I know that. I know that pain a lot. Luke. Okay? Yeah. Did you wear the British night Dima cells? Uh, with the Dimatab technology, I've had all the bullshit ones before I finally could get a good pair. Actually, you know what the first shoe I had was that I thought was cool was uh, well, I had the Converse Magics. Remember those those low ones you had in the early '90s, and then I had the uh, Reebok uh, Streetball ones that uh, Sinbad was in the commercial for. You remember those? No. Oh, those were those were pretty. Dude, I, I actually I have one more very quickly. When I was in like fifth grade, and my mom was like real broke, and like I don't know what was happening with child support. Like my mom had no money. I had to wear a shoe, like, straight up from, like, you know, like, Payless shoes or whatever? Yeah. I had to wear a shoe called the winner shoe. I'm like, dude, if you have a shoe called oh, the God, winner no. shoe, you're, no. you're a loser. Like, no. automatically, you're a loser. So, dude, I've never, I've, like, literally, I have been fucked on shoe wear my whole life. It yeah. sucks, dude. It sucks. Dude, people don't realize that age, when we were in middle school, you were judged by it. You Big were time. judged by it. Big time. You were in a, in a, in your social class because of the kind of, of shoe you had. I mean, lame people whose parents could get them Jordans, Luke, they had a moment in the in the sunshine, you know? 
They don't understand how easy they had it. Those of us who had to navigate the minefield of the winter yeah. shoes and British Knight Dimacells, we had some character built up. If, from if that. people wonder why my toes look like this, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> Come on, you know, hard-earned journey to get here. All right, this is from Lee. He says, good morning. I wish to formally apply to be a model for your MK merch. Okay. I feel I meet the very specific criteria. Wash dad, check. Sleep deprived, check. Prematurely bald, check. Low T, some good, some bad tattoos, check. Strong in the weight room relative to my level of washedness, check. Admirer of BBLs and follows a disproportionately high number of female fighters on Instagram. All check. I'm a total free rider, however, and I'm willing to pay for the shipping of the gear. P.S. What popularity content do we have to rig? Contest, I think he meant to say, to get Luke and BC to travel to the UK. Luke, I did say that's our next show goal, right? 5,000 5, live fans in the UK. That's my next goal for the show, all right? That would be, that would be amazing, yeah. Uh, what do you think about this bloke's attempt, Luke, to wear our merch uh, as a model? And is he strong as shit as he thinks? It's Lee. Oh, yeah, from the I UK. can't quite see how many plates he has on. Uh, let's see. One, two. Th- I can't quite see because my glass. Let's see. One, two, three, four. And then it looks like he has the 35s on, which only a weirdo puts on his uh, thing. So these aren't straight up deadlifts. This it looks to me like a block pull. So he's got it slightly off the ground. But Yo, he fits that. That Schmedium uh, tank top uh, fairly well, right? Yeah, I got to say. And also, the mechanics here look, for the most part, pretty good. Folks like the top of his back is rounded, which is true, but that doesn't matter. What only matters is if the lumbar part of the back is rounded. He's got a mixed grip. He's got a nice... Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Dude, we pretty got... M- Shout out to RJ Dunkeldauber. We got MK powerlifting shirts on the site now. This is great, Luke. Yeah, I, I got to say, in general, if this is what he's pulling sleep-deprived, he's okay, because when I'm sleep-deprived, I can barely do 10 minutes on the treadmill. Yes, or or 60 minutes on the MK. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know 60, yeah exactly, before my feces yeah. turn into, uh, you know. Before you get angry and you suddenly threaten that you'll have another job. All right, look, this is from Scott. He says, uh, the fight's on Saturday, water park on Sunday. Make a Donk Data clothing line, because y'all have some dads out here repping. Also, can't watch your podcast while my sons are in the room because y'all got the potty bokas. Luke, this is Scott. Uh, can you uh, zoom in on his uh, cable management or life management here, Luke? Well, he's got the he's got the television stand that I do. Like he's like the substitute teacher, and he's just going to plug in some movie on the VCR for the day, <laughs> which is kind of strange. But the kid room looks pretty good. And uh, is there another TV in the back that the kid is watching? I think so. But that would also be his child, Luke. You can be polite, you know, as his daughter. It may as not a, be. Maybe he stole that kid from the grocery store. Dad. You don't know. And here's him at the water park on Sunday, Luke. Uh, rep, still repping MK, by the way. Yo, he's got oh, the no. flat-brimmed hat, Oh, too. God. Pour some sugar on this guy, Luke, in the name of love. Yes. Yes. All right. Yes. Okay. Great. Uh, thank you, Scott. Uh, Luke, will you ad- address his uh, offer that his kids can't watch the show because of the language you choose to use? Um, I would say it's also your language. I think that's fair. You make jokes about, you know, that and oh, that. You know, I mean, you do a little bit of that too. All right, I'm trying to clean up, Luke. Okay, starting now. Thank you. Uh, this is from Mushta- Mustache Dad. He says, "If BBC was a metal maestro, black, black liver <laughs> society." <laughs> <laughs> Luke, I look kind of cool as a Jack Zach Wild, right? 
Yeah, who's on tour, by the way, with one of my favorite bands. Uh, well, actually, no, well, one and a half of my favorite bands. I'm not a huge Anthrax guy, but they're on tour with Anthrax, Black Label yeah. Society. And also, shouts to Jamie Josta, who I'm good, uh, I'm like boys with from Hatebreed. He's also on that tour as wow. well. Are you a, as big of a fan as I am of the No More Tears Ozzy album, which uh, Zach Wilde had a tour de force on, Luke? So you know what's funny about that? You know who is like a giant Zach Wilde fan is my wife. My wife wow. loves Zach Wilde, loves Black Label Society. I'm, I like him okay. I like him okay. I definitely don't hate him at all. But I don't love him quite like some of the more diehards out there. Okay. I mean, he's, he's incredible. I've seen him... Uh, in concert before Luke, he's incredible. He was doing like Van Halen teases. I mean, it was incredible. Luke. Oh no, he can play. I mean, say whatever you want about him. That dude can play. He can play his ass off. Yeah, dude. I by the way, I saw last time I saw Ozzy in concert was probably like '02, and it even felt like Weekend at Bernie's during that. Luke, it did. I mean, he still brought it, but it, it did feel a little bit. Like I, that, I mean, you know? he's just Vicodin and skin at this point. I can't believe <laughs> he's still out there doing it. Oh, Luke, you know who is here? Not 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 uh, not Tom Aspinall yet, but Appy Luke David Appleton, fresh from France, Luke, fresh out of uh, the, oh the 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 jail cell. I think he says hi, guys. I thought I'd take a break from painting myself as a sex pest and send in a more normal fan sub. So here I am with the kids. Yes, alarmingly, I have children. We were on holiday in the north of France, rocking the MK gear. My kids refused to wear MK merch for the photos, labeling it T-shirts to boomer. Even Brian should be able to pronounce that and translate that. Uh, yours wholesomely. It's Appy, David Appleton. P.S. I just actually got recognized in Paris the other day. Don't know if they recognized me specifically for the MK shirt, but a couple definitely pointed at it and smiled appreciatively. You're taking over the world, boys. Luke, in the in the um to catch a predator circles, we're, we're, we're huge, apparently. This is great, right? I know. It's like when you got recognized, I mean, like, by what? The police? Like, what do you mean exactly? <laughs> uh, sir, uh, look, you know, Appy is also a girl dad, like you and the late uh, Kobe Bryant, Luke. So do you do you see, like, the, the truth come out of him in these at-home moments? Um, Hard to say. If he was a, if he was a real, well, I won't say that, but... You know, I, I mean, I, I, first of all, I want to know what n- fucking 1920s Russian roller coaster he's on that's covered in rust. <laughs> I think he's on the pirate ship. On. Look, if you put me on the pirate ship at this age, uh, I will throw up instantly. Okay, instantly. When was the last time you were on a like a real batshit crazy roller coaster? Um, I went to uh, there's a there's a small park in Connecticut across from ESPN called Lake Compounds, but they do have a a pretty well renowned. Balderdash coaster. It's wooden, but it's uh, fast and rickety as shit. I remember when I would worked at ESPN and we would go once a year to the party at that park. I could handle it at ESPN Family Day. Yes, Mikey. Mikey grew up there. Um, Mikey Morms. I could handle it, Luke, but it would hurt. But I'd do it, all right? Dude, I brought my wife and I brought the kids uh, last summer to this park and I did that. And dude, I. I, when I say it fucked me up, like I was crippled the rest of the day, bending over, ready to throw up, like all parts of my body aching. Like, Luke, it, dude, it's not fair. I mean, I get a two beer hangover still, so it's still not fair there. But, but Luke, dude, it's really not fair. It's really not. It's just not like it's fucking crazy. Be- it's fucking crazy, dude. When my in laws from Columbia come here, it's the only thing they want to do. I think they do have theme parks in Columbia in some places, but they're not that great. So like Six Flags here, which is not far from my house, or uh, there's King's Dominion down 95, just uh, north of Richmond. That's a good part. 
Yeah. Good ass park. So they they always want to go there. Here's a little pop quiz. I didn't realize this either. Do you know how they say roller coaster in Spanish? You ever heard this? No. I'm going to fuck the words up because my Spanish blows. Montañas Rusias. Russian mountains. That's what they call them. They don't call them roller coasters. They call them Russian mountains. Um, They are addicted to going to uh, Six Flags and shit. I have to go several times a year as a consequence. Okay. Okay, Luke. Um, shout out to Appy and the family there, but I really wish I could go on rides. It's, it, it sucks so bad, Luke. It sucks. I wish there was like a pill you could take, is there? Maybe I could man up. How about that? <laughs> yes. Know, man up. Whatever Ozzy Osbourne's been taking for the last yes, 30 years. Yes, okay. I can, I can snort heroin through my eyes is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. Okay, great. Uh, finally, we have Danger Mouse sliding in. He says, hey, BC, I'm back like a jilted lover after the production team passed over my Margaritaville art last week. I did see this on Reddit, I think, Luke. It was pretty good. And they broke my months-long streak of fan subs. Well, I can't take it out on them. I've tried. They just censor it. So you bitches are getting it instead. So let's talk about this so-called relationship you have with Luke. Hugging Luke? No. Hugging (laughs) Michael... <laughs> look at this, oh, and look how happy Luke yeah. is when BC just dives straight in for the man hug with a relative stranger, dude. That is so fucking. Fu- is it me? Is it my deodorant? What is it, BC? Uh, I I don't know, Luke. We'll have to we'll have to dig deeper on the next MK Doc. If that is, that uh, dude. I didn't even put going. two and two together. That is so fucking. I have funny. Off, offered for us to go to MK Couples Therapy for the Doc, and you have not taken me up on that. Um, the next one from Danger Mouse. He says, it's "Time now for me to be the voice of the Morning Combat chat room." And make their feelings known about a certain social media presence who's been receiving a lot of attention recently. Luke is probably not going to like this one, which means he will really hate the dirty version that I suspect will only make it to the production team's private chat. Let's see what he's saying here, Luke. Can you blow it up? I can't see it. That is blown up. It says, Morning Combat 2020 on top. There's the meme of you uh, playing uh, Draw 25. Oh, oh, I see, I see. So take 25. Talk about Jake Paul or take 25. No. In 2020, and then 2022, I'm interviewing the guy. I mean, listen. Oh, that's like Wayne's World, Luke. Look at that. First of all, very funny. It's very funny. I'm not mad at it at all. Listen, guys, I would like to do good things at Showtime. I'm trying to be a good soldier. It comes with talking to Jake Paul. I had a short conversation with him. It is lampoonable. I don't mind that. But your boy is trying to be a good soldier. Yes. Yes. Keep it up. You're doing great. Uh, He's got one more on the same subject, apparently, this Danger Mouse, Luke. Okay, let's see. (laughs) (laughs) all right you know what look this isn't dead wrong but you know we we do stay accountable even in fan subs luke um yes listen they know they they have a right to roast us and they should by the way is that gavin and gwen in the back there it is it is what's gavin's last name from bush uh rosedale rosedale that's it rosdale yeah yeah yeah. dude remember Um, in high school every chick wanted to bang him remember that Oh hell yeah! I think I did too for for a hot second there. Look, they were hot. They had they had a, they had a minute. I think the thing about them is they didn't have a sustainability of great albums, but they had at least what I would consider five like top tier radio tracks, like rock. Radio Everything tracks. Zen and Glycerine are the two biggest ones, right? Yes, yes. There's like three other, you know, Machine Head, uh, uh, Long Island Luke Offering. There's like I think there's at least five, and they're like. Three of those, at least three of those five, Luke, are like 
top tier 90s radio rock songs you know what i mean like just, yeah i agree with that they had two albums that like that one album i forget what the name of it was the 16 first stone is that what 16 you stone yeah that one was i mean i cannot overstate how big that album was here fucking i like huge. so i liked live more than them but i think in hindsight i, I, I should have switched that Luke. so live had the good two albums culminating in throwing copper Yes, but they had an album after that where one of the lyrics of one of the songs was "This puke stinks like beer," and it was well, the worst fucking. Are you song talking ever. about the Secret Samadhi album, which had the hit that no one talks about, which was great, called "Turn My Head"? Yeah, I mean that was you know yes. I had that I had that one too. Luke, okay, you, you would agree. Throwing copper though, that's peak live, right? That's like oh, that's Apex yeah. live, dude. That that's peak nineties. Like I, you know, I'm not like like Wallflowers bringing down the horse. I'm not here to tell you live throwing copper is a five star. Go out and buy it tomorrow. But it's peak fucking 90s, Luke. It's like, you know, what did the 90s feel like and sound like? And I'll throw that up there. That, that you know, that's my life, Luke. All right. So, All right? BC, let's, let's talk about this out loud. We have a choice to make here. We're waiting on Tom Aspinall. If they could give us an update in the chat. We don't have him yet. In fact, they wrote, <laughs> still no sign of him, <laughs> which is always a good call. You know how this goes, BC. We've been doing fighter interviews for a long time. Sometimes they show up. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they get the time zone right. Sometimes they don't. Uh, so they're talking to the PR lady. How long do you want to wait? That's the question you have to ask yourself. Uh, are you saying that you don't want to wait for your life to be over, Luke? Um, um, no. Yeah, I think we're. it looks like we're still getting them, Luke. Um, I mean, she had two babies, Luke. One was six months. One was three. Okay. Um, <laughs> In the war of 44? Yeah, I mean, I'll wait, Luke, because no one likes filling time. Look, I got to talk to you about something here. It's not the Thor movie review, which was way, way over the top, Luke. I mean, no, look, it wasn't I mean, a cinematic. Dude, if classic, you like that movie, it's a guarantee. By the way, that I won't out them. Love you. Okay, come on. I've had people in our MK universe who I know are cool be like, Luke was wrong. That no, was a pretty not. damn good movie. That right? movie is terrible, and anyone who likes it is off off the list of anyone whose opinion you should ever take seriously. And I did want to shout out just Joel Luke. He's not, you know, he sent us those t-shirts. I, I wore one during our Hasim Rahman interview. Our staff was overjoyed. Shout out to just Joel of Ocala, Florida. That guy Luke is a mix, mashup DJ mix master. Luke, okay, right there, he makes art for a living. But here's what I wanted to talk to you about. All right, my wife's away, so I've been doing the the Mister Mom thing, and it's you know, it's, dude. We don't we don't deserve them, Luke. They are the most organized, incredible people of all time. And me trying to fill, you know, Mrs. Campbell's shoes here is a debacle. But I did get some great time with the boys, with the bros. Dude, we watched we crunched like five straight episodes of the Obi-Wan uh show last night. Okay. I had only previously seen the debut episode. Dude, this is this is gold. Well this is, Luke, this is gold, dude. Mm, this is really good. Okay. Let's 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 unpack this a little bit. Please. Where do you rank that season, which I think might be the only one, but where do you rank it relative to first season of Mandalorian? I like it better. Oh, and I, you're, and I you're, really you're so fucking high. You're dude, so I'm not, well, high. I mean, that's always debatable, but I, I dude, I loved the man loved the Mandalorian. Okay. I really liked um, Rebels, the cartoon. I didn't go too deep on the uh, other cartoon, Luke, although I hear it's great, but I don't, you know, I don't know if I like that shit, but Luke, um, and I didn't watch the the uh, what's that what's that other Mandalorian who has a show? Oh, yeah, the you know. Book of Boba Fett. I didn't yeah, know with that bullshit. I didn't either. watch that yet. The reviews are bad, but I will eventually. Luke, 
I was blown away at how good this was, dude. Are you serious? Like the 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 young Leia was amazing. I, I mean, I, dude, Vader. I mean, come on. I was kind of no, no, like on. marking out here. So here's what I would say. I didn't see Book of Boba Fett, but I'm sure it's trash because even people who like Star Wars didn't like it all that much. So I'm going to put it last. Mandalorian is clearly the best television show that Disney Plus has made rel- relative to Star Wars, at least live action. I've not seen enough of the cartoons. I'm going to put this one in the middle. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I do think there are certain episodes or parts of episodes that are actually really cool and really good. I did not hate it. But I don't think you can look past like that scene in one of those episode one or two where Flea is like chasing Leia and it's the most low budget piece of shit fucking scene you've ever seen in your life. Like, was this show expensive or cheap to produce? I can't tell because where it looks nice and they actually did a good job with like the character development with the third sister (laughs) all in. Fine, Dude, all in. I've never seen higher, bigger highs or lower lows in cinematography, Luke. And you know me, I normally don't harp on that until 1917 came out and I had a you know cinematic orgasm over and over, Luke. But there are moments like the fire scene with Vader on one side and Obi-Wan on the other that where it's the shots, the shadow and the reflection in the Vader. I mean, it's, it's just... Those were good, yeah. It's, it's like, it's amazing, and you're yes. right. There are other scenes where it's just like... But I don't think it, this? Yes. I don't think that's enough of a flat, flat tire, Luke, and I also was nervous that they were going to be too aggressive in telling the storyline of what happened in that gap between, you know, episodes three and four in the, t- in the normal Star Wars line you know of a of, uh, timeline and i think even though they actually were really aggressive it worked like i want to hate this whole leia thing but i can't it's really good luke again didn't hate it didn't hate it but i think mandalorian is leagues above it leagues above maybe it. you are just a hater maybe that's it luke maybe no, that's what i think it is. i think i think the world is filled with a lot of simpletons who let their kid-like romanticism cloud their judgment about what is actually good and what is actually not. Dude, that new Thor movie is bad. It is bad. It is not good at all. A couple of the decent action scenes, the GNR, you know, stuff is, you know, can't go wrong with GNR. Christian Bale, amazing. Everything else about that movie is garbage. And I don't think people actually watch very good movies enough to know what a very good movie looks like and what the fuck that is. Dude, to far me, all, all, all these superhero movies are bullshit, Luke. I was entertained by that one. Maybe I should watch it more, okay? Maybe I'll get back to it. Here's what that, I'll say. Luke, if you right? like that one, you will love uh, Thor Ragnarok, which, by the way, the same director made both of those, which is kind of okay. weird because he, he got that one right and then that one really <coughs> wrong. Um, but, like, the Thor movies in general, like Thor Dark World and shit, I didn't love, I didn't hate, but I didn't love all that much. But there like are every, definitely better Thor movies. Everybody was like, BC, you got to watch Deadpool. That's going to be your your entry into this. That's your your type of superhero movie. I tried, Luke. I was like 20 minutes in, and I was like, this blows. I'm out of here, Luke. All right? I was out of there. I never came back. Where, where are you on Spider-Man? I don't touch that shit either, okay, Luke? <laughs> right? I think Spider-Man is a little overrated, but I do like Spider-Man. I don't touch, you know. No, I'm not really into any of that stuff. I, Did you, you watch know, I got a hard Punisher? No, I don't. I don't. I, I I didn't even watch those Batman ones until we did for that extra credit homework. It was really good, but you know, I also don't chase that stuff either, Luke. Oh wait, I didn't we see were Dick talking Tracy about this. Well, we were talking about this. Out. What's the war movie you haven't seen yet? Where I lost my fucking mind. Do you remember? Oh, re- run! Isn't that? No, 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 no. Uh, you've seen Saving Private Ryan, right? 
Okay, but don't forget that was my that was my early pandemic project, which led to a lot of drinking and a little bit of depression. So maybe that was the best route. But I ended up watching all of them. Remember? No, there was we talked about it recently. There was one you oh Black Hawk Down you haven't seen right? Right, I have not seen that. You're saying that's in the pantheon. I need to instantly add it in. Well, I don't know how. Okay, it's definitely very very good. It's not better I don't than the Deer exactly Hunter. I'll tell you that already. You would, it's. Right. I mean, I'm not going to call it a top five war movie. I'm not going to do that. But like. If you want to say you've seen some of the better war movies, you have to have at least judged Black Hawk Down. It's a true story. Okay. It's a okay. true story. By the way, uh, I like the Hurt Locker a lot more than most people. I thought that was great, Luke. Hurt Locker's very good. Hurt Locker's really okay. good. Um, um, you know, it's it's yeah. I mean, the best are probably the you know Deer Hunter, Apocalypse Now. You know what I'm saying, Luke? What do we got, Corey? Talk to me. Well, Corey, why don't you just be honest? Are they going to get them, or what's the deal? Okay, I mean, because we, you know, we're trying to keep this ship afloat, and the audience is going to be checking out here pretty soon, and I wouldn't blame them. So, more like you know, ship of fools, you know. Cinderella is going to turn back into a pumpkin here, here fairly, fairly soon. Uh, BC, I did finish two shows recently. Uh, I okay, finished season three, season three of the Umbrella Academy. Have you seen those? Still have not seen that. You did recommend that in the past, yes? Season three is a little weird, um, but decent. Decent. And then what was the other one I finished recently? I was watching it with my wife. Oh, The Boys season four, I think. Whatever okay. the latest one was. That one is very good. <laughs> I love The Boys. The Boys is, is like, so I didn't realize this, dude. Let me pitch this to you real quickly. And everyone kind of tells it wrong until some, I heard this from someone else. The guy who wrote the original comics for The Boys actually hates superheroes and thinks the whole thing is phony and bullshit and that this idea that they would ever be like bastions of morality and good faith is completely the opposite of what it actually is. So he writes into these characters, not just the opposite of what you might imagine, but like real depravity, mendacity, um, you know, sinister, backstabbing, fucking thin-skinned everything every character flaw you could imagine they have and to me it works dude it completely works wow and not sounds just like spending a day opposite, at the malka but... office right <laughs> um i i will look out for it long island luke just gave a double uh uh throw down on that luke that that is a great show the boys all right i'll, yes. I'll you know look i'll try your your shit i don't know if i'll stay but i'll try it for it's sure the, luke it's gory though it's gory all right. I mean, you know, if gory is artsy, I can, you know, I can. It's a little yeah. gory. I mean, there's a scene where one guy jumps into another guy's dick and then explodes. It's a whole thing. So just going to point <laughs> that out. We're All probably right, going to get Luke. demonetized now. <laughs> uh, I believe we're close to getting uh, Tom Aspinall here, Luke. I don't know how close we actually are. You know, I'm, I'm actually skeptical that we're going to get him at this point. I mean that would be on that would be on brand on par with your history in terms of This is why optimism. dude from the beginning of this show when we created it in 2019 this is why I was like I really don't want to do we can do interviews but I don't want to do them as part of the show. Right. It's because right. it's actually and I tried this with the MMA hour as well like Ariel makes it look a lot easier than it is. It is extremely difficult to coordinate this stuff in ways that most people cannot imagine. So Well our team has tried hard Luke if we get it we get it all right. Shout out how much longer you want to wait? Look, I can do this all day. I know, this but is, we shouldn't, though. That's the thing. You know, this is this is what I do. Look, a lot of people speculating that uh, 
you know, I let things go a little bit too far that the black shoe polish is coming back, Luke. And I, I don't, Did you, you die know. again? No, I've been going full on graded to my wife's uh, detriment. Yeah, she doesn't like it. She, she's like, color that stuff, Luke. You're not that old, okay? So uh, I, I'm at a crossroads right now, Luke, okay? Has uh, your wife ever commented on how I look grayer than Gandalf? Uh, maybe a couple times, but she, you know, from a distance, she seems to like you, Luke. You know, you're my business partner. You're my editorial husband, okay? Hey, speaking of which, we were, you know, we still haven't gotten the families together for some complicated reasons. Are we going to get them together in 2022? Yes, I hope. You think so? I mean, I don't know, Luke. It's I'm bringing I'm bringing my fam up. I think for because uh, my birthday is the day before the Jake Paul fight. Yeah, I've still got a bunch of friends from when I lived in New York who are still there. I think I'm going to bring the Tookster and oh, wow. Mia Sposa up to New York on that Friday. Yeah. Wow. Maybe you guys can, you know, look around at potential rentals or, uh, you know, for sale opportunities, Luke. Yeah. No. New York is uh, prohibitively expensive. I mean, you know, there's Jersey and CT as well in this tri-state biatch, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, you're like, you can buy the nice one or you can go get these rusted old pieces of shit. You can go and get them. Well, why would I want those? Why would I want those? You know what I'm saying? Um, Luke, will you be seeing any concerts this summer? So, yes. I My wife bought the tickets in 2019 before the pandemic. Uh, I'm going to see... Actually, the week of the Jake Paul fight, I'm going to see Rage Against the Machine and oh, um, Run the Jewels. Okay, that that's there. I hear their that Rage on this comeback have have been very good, Luke. That's what I hear. Okay. Yeah, I guess there's a bunch of people who are confused about their politics, not realizing that they have always been this way, which is kind of funny. But either way, I don't care. Uh, I'm going to go see them here in D.C. and. Um, let's see what else. I was supposed to see Dying Fetus when they came to Baltimore. I missed it. I'm going to try and catch them maybe this year. Oh, and you know what? I might go to that Hatebreed show as well when Hatebreed comes with Anthrax and Black Label Society. Oh, here we go. PR just canceled it. Dude, did I call it or did I fucking call it? How did I call it? You know, pessimism wins, Luke, okay? In this this instance for you, take your victory lap. I told you it was all going to fall apart, BC. This is why, dude, this is what, there's many reasons why I don't like doing fighter interviews. This is one of them. This well, is I one give of them. I give our staff a credit for being for yes. trying to jump through hoops for that. And shout out to UFC PR. If it didn't work out, it didn't work out. But we we're uh, I enjoy I enjoy working with those folks a lot, Luke. I wanted you to know that, okay? Yes, I agree. I hold on. Let me shout uh, to the Mocha staff and to Mikey and everyone else on the staff who tried to make it happen. I know you did work hard to get it. It didn't work out. But fellas, and I warned you three years ago, this is what happens. Just want to point well, that Luke, out. Well, Luke, let's close with this is um I know we haven't really, you know, breached the subject of divorce since uh, Doc 2. It was a great storyline, though, Luke. You know, you and I are getting along really well lately, but shout out to Jesus and Mero. They got divorced, Luke. I um, saw, dude. I saw. I ho- you know, did you, you know, suddenly look at our union and say, man, how, how strong is this really? You know what I mean? Well, we are eventually going to try and kill each other. I do think that's true. But we have to worry about getting Jesus and Mero's success levels before we can worry about... Like, those guys are so wildly successful, they're probably like, yo, fuck that guy, yo, fuck that guy. I think you and I looked in the mirror and were like, we're two fucking losers who, you know, this life raft needs a couple people to make it float. You know what I'm saying? So, um, If it comes <laughs> down to it and the boat is sinking, 
I'll stay with you on that raft, Luke. Okay. I'll stay on that raft. We'll drown together, BC. We'll Thank drown you. together. That's Thank a really morbid way much. of putting things. Hey, yes. I want to remind folks we've got merch, morningcombat.store. We do have fighter interviews, just not when we're supposed to have them. You can get those youtube.com slash morningcombat. Uh, Showtime, label that pays, showtime.com, 30 day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. BC, any final thoughts here as we uh, lingered with the audience unnecessarily? Yeah, morningcombat.store for our merch. Check that out. And uh, if you lingered and you like this type of free... I mean, look, to be fair, some people still want Room Service Diaries 1.0 because they just want to hear us bullshit. That's true. That's true. Maybe one day we'll bring it back in there. You know, I'd like to bring Happy Hour back, Luke, on this show where we just, you know, no script and we just go. Just go. I just don't drink like that anymore. No, no, you don't have to drink, Luke. You're just having a conversation with another man, okay? Yes, but if I ask you to hang out, you always tell me no. Oh, my God. What, 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 mar- what kind of marriage do you think this is, Luke? All right? I have, I'm sorry, I'm tired. I have to, wa- to wash my hair. I mean, come on. This is so weird. All right. Wow. All right. All right. Let's call it a day. Let's call it a day. Yeah. For the Malka crew and everyone at CBS Sports who tried to help us get this done and it didn't work, thank you for making it happen or doing your best anyway. For Malka, for Showtime, for CBS Sports, there he is. That's the King of Connecticut, Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. We will join you on Friday for a full weekend preview of fights. Until then... May all of your gains be loyal.